The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 74 Breakdown, Picks, Plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. What's up, everybody? Dan Tom here. You might see me from MMA Junkie or Action Network, but this is the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Of course, we break down high-level MMA uh, in a slightly, uh, well, not a slightly different way. I'm used to doing a little top five and, uh, you know, evergreen stuff we've been hitting you with. So I haven't left you hanging that long, but we are finally here a day late and hopefully not a dollar short. We're actually coming off of a rare winning week, even though it was eh, two weeks ago, technically, however you want to frame that or look at that. Of course, to the detriment of some, we will, of course, be recapping quickly from top to bottom, as per usual, for almost nearly a decade now, as I've been doing here, uh, the results for UFC Vegas 73. But no, as you see in the title, we are going to be breaking down, of course, UFC 74 from top to bottom. I'll be recapping my picks and plays at the very end for those in an extra rush, since I'm giving you technically less time to listen to this. And despite the haters, I actually agree. I don't really like listening to me either, which is why I've always given you guys the option. Um, to, uh, you know, fast forward through this free program. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate you hitting the like button, even though, uh, despite the far warning there I gave in the chat, um, you know, I don't deserve it. Uh, for many reasons, none of which the least of being late. So extra appreciations for you guys being here on this adjusted time frame for UFC Vegas 74. As we'll get to in the card, it's going to be good that this happened because of all the last-minute fallouts. And another reason why I uh, have a, a, you know, a, a wink and a nudge kind of... Uh, Annoyance with the the, the CLV club and, and the getting it in early, which I'm sure everybody was doing because they had a week off. And God forbid we go outside and do something with our lives. I'm just kidding. No, I get it. If you're a degenerate who enjoys having UFC weekend to weekend, um, that's cool. That's your thing. Uh, I know people have been talking about recently, uh, you know, uh, uh, the costs of it and, and the card quality. And I know I'm not the only person by any stretch. But, hmm, who's, who's been touting that drum, right? And, and you listeners, uh, this should not, of course, despite having to deal with my ass and all the things that come with it, hey, when stuff like this happens, isn't it fun to, like, you know, listen to a podcast where, like, somebody kind of calls out the complaints before everybody starts picking up on it? Uh, so we will continue to do that. Hopefully we can, you know, just cash some bets in the meantime because that's the annoying part about being the... Uh, the dude is when you don't you know have the uh, the receipts that count the money receipts we'll get to those um, both with the recap and the upcoming plays so sit tight hit that like button subscribe if you want to contribute to the chat um, and uh, yeah we're already seeing the positive folks come in which is nice Mark Fellows always awesome to see early start today I'll pour myself a coffee instead of a beer cheers DT that reminds me I'll join you here I gotta take a sip. Uh, I don't know if I can uh, skull it this one there. It's a, it's a, it's not too hot, but I mean it is coffee. So, we'll we'll be we'll be drinking later though. I'm sure. Mark, cheers to you, sir. Rain Lamin in the house. The Yuki Yoza of eating gyoza. I'll probably have, maybe have some type of gyoza. We'll see tonight. I'm gonna go to a really good restaurant. Um, I'm stoked too. Uh, Kai Kara France of studying finance. I was gonna go somewhere else with that. The Amir Ambazi of tacking the body. 
My man, Jim, uh, Rain Lamb, and I always appreciate you. Followed by Jimmy Kudo. Dan, is there any way to reach you privately on becoming a mod for your chat room? Thank you for mentioning this. Yes, um, Jimmy, um, if you're on Twitter, let me know. I'll try to follow you because I think you had a DM that way. Uh, otherwise, um, email me. Email me. It's in. Um, it's in. You know. It, it's. Uh, either go to my website or my Twitter. And there's a link there. I don't want to give it out. I don't, I'm not going to make it too easy, even though it's public info. For the trolls. Oh, he wasn't done. Uh, but yes, I, I need that. And he says, I can't DM you, and I'm not sure what your email is. Okay. I've been a mod for Drake Rig Show and would love to help. Well, you are first in line, sir. Uh, dibs on that. So uh, email me. Uh, again, uh, you got my Twitter address there. Uh, with There should be a link in the link tree. And then my website also has an email. MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, of course, hosts this show. That's the website I'm talking about. Another great segue. Kudos providing me with. Of course, this is a free show. It's been a free show. Um, you know, uh, uh, to the to the detriment of myself and, and my listenership. But despite the low numbers and being a free show, giving free fix and plays, showing my work before, after, on multiple mediums, being accountable, fully accountable with my face every week. Be careful because, you know, I could be misleading you because I'm definitely that guy. Uh, that being said, obviously, you guys are all adults that are here, thankfully. And uh, you guys uh, know you can throw, uh, you know, careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but... No one's telling you what to like, who to like. Uh, you do what you want. Hopefully my analysis kind of helps. You can take in what you like, um, discard what you don't. It is your own cup to fill, as always, folks. So uh, thank you for the likes. Appreciate that. Uh, James Kendrick, I am very happy that we have a good main event for this card. Me too. And it comes, and, and it features some really good uh, 125ers, mainly Kai. Yeah, I'm very uh, stoked to, to talk about that. Um... Despite my pick that's already public, spoiler alert, uh, I am a big Kai fan, and he certainly is probably the smarter side, which we'll get to, as I probably already gave away uh, the key points there. Edgelord versus... He says, is positivity the best... Uh, cure for negativity? Should we be more positive to people that make good content such as yourself and be negative to those who have bad opinions? Um, I think the nature is already to be negative with those bad opinions with, you know, the whole quote culture. You don't even have to have bad opinions. You just have to have, like, bad things happen to you. Um, as maybe we'll talk about. I'm not really trying to talk about that, but, like, for example, what everybody's talking about with, uh, with poor Tim Elliott there. Uh, even well-meaning good people with well-meaning tweets out there, just that the tweets ring sour to me. I'm just like... Ugh. I know I made one, and that's the only one I'm going to make. I felt it was decently tasteful because I just, I, I hate this whole reality TV show thing we have. And maybe I'm a you know, self-admitted boomer who's never been a fan of reality TV. Maybe that's a reason. Uh, also a reason why I'm not watching Tough. Sorry, folks. But, uh, yeah, it. Um, I'm just not about this, like, oh, look over here, whether it's a justified, even if it's, like, justified bad opinions and stuff. And you're making a funny joke of it. Like, I get it. I'm not hating on people who do that. It's just the whole engagement era just bums me out and this whole let's look at everybody's lives thing it's just I never really got it um but yeah I do think positivity is something that not just you guys me myself uh need to do more so that's great that's great advice there a uh, ghost phantom hey Dan can we all name the regulars on your show in the chat the neck boys um again maybe this is my boomer sensibilities but there was a term called quit necking around in there and it usually had <laughs> pulling around in the backseat. Not that I have anything to, to, you know, against that. I'm just saying, you know, 
we probably would be opening ourselves to that. So I don't know about the, <laughs> but I, you know what? You are onto something, Ghost Phantom, and I think you and the chat should stick with a proper name. Um, I do go with the Neckies for my awards that I haven't done in two years because I just, uh, you know, uh, am busy and, and socially awkward and don't feel like people want to come on the show when in fact they actually do but uh yeah so maybe something in the neck neighborhood i mean i need to stick with the neckies thing myself we're gonna get to it shortly but uh just two more people that i normally see we got barton spackle chris hello it's my first year following mma is it okay but i don't really like betting but i like the breakdown content like yourself you know not, being a first year fan and not liking betting and you still like me i I, I mean, I don't know if that says more about you or maybe that says I'm actually doing something maybe somewhat right in some department, but I appreciate the hell out of you, Barton Spackle, Chris. There's nothing wrong with that uh, at all. Um, you uh, you are only a, a year in, but uh, already establishing yourself clearly, whether you mean to or not, as a as a as a as a man of, as a as a man of fine taste, a tastemaker, if you will. Crumbopolis Rosen in the house. Love this show. Appreciate the love, guys. Uh, likes and okay, one more. Got to give my guys, of course, chronic combat conversations. Um, I was gonna say, you know, one of the few uh, people in the betting MMA space I want to have on, as you guys know, I've been pretty good with my word, especially if you count the fact that I've been doing the uh, live commentaries with my man Ant Walker, who hopefully will bring that back for next week's pay per view. Um, but I've been trying to uh, follow through with my promises, God forbid, uh, as far as bringing on guests to either recap or preview more more aptly the pay-per-view shows and I've usually been people using the betting community that I like like the Lou Betches of the world uh you know Clint Die Hard MMA um you know just just uh, my guy Luke Lamp um you know I I, I just want to you know give people uh a platform again for for a guy you know misleading uh, I I don't charge and uh my little shitty platform that I do have I try to use to promote others hence the retweets of threads other analysts uh, journalists who put hard work into things, so on and so forth. And I try to keep that same energy here on the podcast. Uh, but, you know, I, well, then maybe it would help if you didn't talk shit to the betting community that you part of your audience. Sure, admittedly sure, but, you know, most of them hate me, so I'm going to I'm gonna hate them back. But there is such a good few of you out there uh, and, and a good lot of you out there that listen and support this show. I appreciate you guys. Please do not take the strays of what I say. And people like... Uh, Chronic Combat Conversations, whether it's Tyler or Greg, they're uh, on that short list of, of the last of the people I want to get uh, get on, but I don't know how much uh, I'll be doing guests here too for, at least uh, pulling people from the betting community with the way uh, with the way things have been. And it's just a pain in the ass to book guests. I'm giving you guys like top fives, uh, rewatches with my man Brasschuk, speaking of betting community, MMA analysis podcast, shouts, oh geez, in the house. Uh, there, whether they're in the house or not, they are just, you know, they're always in this house. They're in my hot, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, like, so uh, I'm giving you guys enough anyway. So that's what's to come. That's enough talking. We're 10 minutes, uh, almost 11 minutes. And let's do a recap. I don't have the proper numbers. We went seven and five overall for UFC Vegas 73. It was a winning night. We're going to try to go through it fast because not because, you know, you know, people have complained before, and those people that have complained, not only was it for nothing, because that was actually a record-fast show in, like, the last two years, uh, but, you know, that person ended up starting shit and ruining it for the rest of the chatters. But that being said, I honestly don't try to 
go long on these things anyways, firstly and form, uh, foremostly. And with us being behind and the beating of a dead horse, uh, let's just get through these fast, shall we? 7-5 and five overall. It was a winning night, but again, uh, you know me, I'm not a big victory lap guy, you know, uh, which is the funny thing. I'm not a big guy before or after the fact. When it comes to, like, nerdy analysis shit, like, oh, yeah, I'm all about that. When it comes to calling nuanced points, regardless if I have money on it, yes, that is what I often will, you know, talk about or, you know, cry about if that's how people want to put this or the recaps but i gotta recap my work man i don't i don't i don't know uh people don't do that enough and people don't recap their own picks and plays enough at the end whether it's a paid podcast or not and i, I do both for you guys for free uh, and you can skip ahead for those in the future live you gotta suffer with me i'm sorry Mackenzie dern defeated angela hill uh via unanimous decision as i picked but again despite picking that early and Mackenzie dern of course had that media with uh, personal troubles did not make me confident. Maybe you want to change my pick, but I already recorded it. You guys know me. I, I stick to things. Uh, I try to keep uh, as honorable as you can in this game. Uh, but, uh, you know, not that it means anything. It didn't mean anything here. Maybe kept me from making some some money. Not that I would have wanted to pick or bet uh, Mackenzie Dern anyways. But, uh, but uh, yeah, um, she, she, she won that. Anthony Hernandez defeated Edmund Shabazian. TKO. Again, I, I've been, you know, being really modest, especially because it's, it's not just A, how I'm wired, believe it or not, uh, but also, uh, yeah, how else are you supposed to be when you have got a as bad of a losing uh, beats a, a year, I, I should say, just because in general it's not been, been uh, bad beat. Yeah, bad beat here and there, sure. That's that's everybody. But you know what I mean. It's just been a losing year that I've been running up to. Uh, but I uh, don't want to mischaracterize it as anything other than that. But yeah, quietly, I've more than been making pain my, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, contributing my fair share to both the Action Network team and the Prop Squad team. Um, I've scored multiple round round props this uh, this year already, and this would have would have been mine, but I wasn't on duty this week. Thankfully, I don't know if it was my guy Tony Satori or it was uh, Sean, uh, my guy Sean Z, um, who hit it uh, and took the round three because I outlined it in my co-main event, which again, I'm not trying to brag. Also quietly uh, been doing really well on if you've been following those. So, you know, but again, I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to find nitpick stats to be like, well, I'm good here. I hate those stats on broadcast. I keep that same energy with myself. And most people that fish for that in my positions are usually because they're selling something, which again, I'm not hating on them, which is just funny that I get hate for being up front, not padding stats, and being free. But hey, let's 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 keep it rolling here. Um, I'm not gonna you know dance over my victories, despite again calling the analysis, matching with the bets. Hmm, it's almost like that's just my thing, you know. And that, you know, you're not gonna always hit these things, of course, but it could still be your thing because you have your work to show for it, and you've been doing the work for nearly a decade. Loopy Godin has defeated Emily Ducote via unanimous decision. Um, yeah, I didn't really watch this one. I don't have too much of a memory. That'll help these recaps go by fast. Joaquin Buckley defeated Andre Filaho, baby, uh, via KO. Um, I don't have my uh, thing in front of me, but I believe I had this on. A, well, Dan, why don't you just turn to it, you dummy? Um, nope, I didn't have. I want. I, I was thinking about putting Buckley KO, but uh, I think I was already on Buckley KO straight up as a prop, so I cashed that. So that was one of the prop cashes for the winning night, which was nice. Didn't put it on the round robin, which would have paid off the round robin because of all things in the round robin hit, it was the plus 800, the biggest one, which was, of course, again, Hernandez round three. Um, we missed, uh, I just took a dog shot on Ducote, uh, Latifi and Sato. Just, I may do that with one dog here that I just, you know, the theme there, there wasn't a lot that I liked. And, you know, instead of, you know, 
even though it's only a unit that I usually play on underdogs, well, instead of doing that, or even three quarters of a unit, why don't just um, limit the exposure and throw it in a round robin if you like a dog but you don't have enough you have enough balls to pick it, not quite enough balls to play it, right? Um, that theory didn't go too great because, again, those went 0-3s. We'll get to Diego Fajeda defeated Michael Johnson via KO. I ended up putting Johnson on there. And uh, props to Safe Side Company. He, he liked it, and I, I want to give and I want to give them even more props. Um, I was given, you know, just because uh, you can't help but be a little bit on the defensive, you know, when you just yeah you you're, you spend the, the last month filtering out trolls, which ironically enough, despite doing that, I've had my most productive month all year. I made the most money, um, not betting wise, but personally business wise, than I made all month. Um, my bad luck in the betting must be paying off because we have had really, really great news personally to celebrate, both for my beautiful girlfriend and my mother and my stepfather. Um, yet I still get like tagged by like the, the I'll still occasionally get tagged or like people will, will create a troll account just to respond to my post still, and I'm like, you guys are still on like what what time is it? How, how long ago was that? Like y'all are still on that? Like so wait, I've had my most productive month all year by a country mile and I'm living rent free in your guys head still like you guys you guys really don't have anything better to do thankfully the real ones have nothing better to do right now who are joining me you guys are the real motherfuckers so appreciate you uh, yeah we had Johnson uh, for one point wow did I do 1.5 unit what, what was my theory there oh because I had the Fajeda by sub as the hedge right and again out of respect for Fajeda like we know Johnson loses in round two and he did uh, maybe I should have should have put used Fajeda round two as the hedge instead of choose Parker, right? Who could have seen that coming? It actually was a good setup, and even though I was on the defensive, uh, you know, jokingly uh, with my uh, colleagues and MMA junkie for the of the month voting, because uh, you know, even though everybody's respectable journalists, like there's so much to do. It's so easy for us to, which is makes my beat so difficult because I actually have to like stop and research things and contextualize and this and that. But it's so easy to just do the same thing like the fans do and just be like recency bias. What was the latest one, you know? Um, but it really was a really nice KL, man. And I'll, 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 I'll do, especially as it gets released for more applicable footage for the way I edit things, um, I actually want to do a setup on it. That was really um, that was really awesome. Uh, and, and it really highlights both CDF and Coach Safe's uh, cornering to create that knockout. So... As much as it was like, oh my God, I, I stayed away from Michael. I was so good about staying away from Michael Johnson for so long now. You know, he was my OG underdog, like back, like when he was an underdog against Lozon, when he was an underdog against Barbosa. Like Michael Johnson was a T bow. Like Michael Johnson cashed me some tickets back in the day, like uh, when I was doing this uh, unpublicly. That's not part of the majority decade that I was saying. No, no, this was, was before that. Um, and so I've been good about staying away from Johnson. You know, but uh, I fell back in. I fell back in. But hey, man, you know, if we're going to lose a bet, it's to the Fortis boys. Uh, you know, I don't mind that. Uh, finishing up this recap quickly through the prelims. Uh, Borishev defeated Mahashate TKO. Uh, picked that one right. Picked Karolina Kovalkiewicz right. Didn't really watch uh, those two closely. Uh, Gilbert Urbina seemed like a lot of people I respect was on Gilbert Urbina, so happy for them. I picked Koski, just decided I didn't really look too much in this fight, didn't play too much into it, and I was up front with you guys on that. Um, did take a dog shot on, on Latifi, knowing it was going to be a crazy split. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if maybe Latifi even deserved the split, but, you know, uh, I was certainly cheering for it, I'm sure, at the time. Uh, but, yes, uh, Nascimento gets the win. Chase Hooper defeats Nick Fiore. Um, 
glad I jumped on that. That was that contributed to a winning night. We, we, we had Hooper there. Uh, Natalia Silva defeated Leonardo, uh, Victoria Leonardo. I didn't go for the classic like MMA better thing. Oh, big favorite. Uh, where usually I'm like eh, big favorite prelim. You know, other check boxes you could accuse of. I wasn't really interested, right? Um, but uh, you know, I overlooked the classic MMA betting thing, which is a, a, a dangerous thing to do, by the way. I, I hate it. Um, but whenever there's a big favorite, everybody looks for inside the distance lines, and you get you get caught chasing because you're like, I just have to have action on this because this by you know, even the bookmakers and the public, they all agree this is the safest thing in a volatile because we, we don't want to admit publicly is volatile, but inside, if we have any sort of process and self-respect and self-thought, we know, we should know as adults what we're getting into. Of course, even those who are smart enough to have that usually, that all stuff all goes out the window and it's like victory time. You're just like, I'm the shit. I knew it. Never in doubt, you know. Uh, and we all know when you should use the never in doubts. You know, those are the, you know, like the uh, Ponzinibbio, uh, Alex Morono, you know. <laughs> if you were on pawns, you know what I'm saying. Then Bagrimbo defeated Takashi Sato. Um, yeah, I didn't watch too much of this one. So, like, look, I was, like, kind of passively watching it. And I was just, like, there's a mix of, like, Grimbo looking better than what I saw on tape. As well as Sato just doing classic Sato things. Just shooting himself in his, in his own foot, man. Just tough to watch. Tough to watch. Okay. Uh, that ends that recap. All right. 20... 19 let's see recap all right uh we're gonna go to uh quickly i gotta pay off some amazon reads and uh some reviews you guys have really been helping again with the uh with the unfortunate uh, trolls and stuff of the past month uh, unfortunately they'll go through just like start downvoting all your stuff and and leave the negative stuff um but you guys have left um positive reviews and you guys even hit the Amazon thing even more uh, closely again ways you can support the show not that I deserve it Th these are monetized now on YouTube for what it's worth even though I'm a free program so you can do the super like um, if you want to make sure uh, your question gets answered and honestly I may just lean into this more I I'm trying to obviously shout still shout the regulars you guys know that and of course monetization and money with someone like me it's it might, might get priority for this format but never exclusivity um but also a good way to filter out the trolls because then they'd have to pay to fucking shout something, uh, you know, and stuff like that. So it'd just be easier to only pay attention to those comments. Um, but yeah, uh, so uh, so you're welcome to do that. Of course, you're you know, even like, even like the top five ones are monetized. So you can go give those love and like little tips if you want. Uh, there are secure PayPal donation links, both in the link tree on my Twitter at DanTomMMA. Here you see in the name tag uh, on Twitter. Uh, as well as uh, on the website mixmarshallanalyst.com that supports this here show. You go to mixmarshallanalyst.com, scroll down, look to your right. If you're on a mobile, uh, you might want to, you know, kind of toggle to the right there. That's easy to kind of miss. Maybe, you know, kind of zoom out, toggle. Um, but you will see a secure PayPal donation link, Daniel Tom MMA or Dan Tom MMA, I believe, if you want to search PayPal. There you'll also see Amazon and Onnit click throughs. Of course, the on it, click throughs. Do not tell me what you buy, but whatever you buy, uh, regardless, uh, through the link, uh, Amazon, obviously, unfortunately, most of us have to shop there from time to time. Uh, but to ease your conscience or just to help out a show that for free, you know, to, to find your way to support that costs you no extra penny, literally, you just do one or two extra clicks. You go to the website, click the banner. You are at the website, and from there, you just do your shopping, and at no extra cost, a percentage of your sale will get kicked back to this year program. It helps a lot. Uh, where Amazon, it actually does tell me what you buy, but don't worry, don't worry. 
it doesn't tell me who you are, it doesn't tell me the card number, it doesn't give me any of that personal information. So incoming joke that I use all the time and uh, incoming but yeah so if you want to have your little David Carradine one night in Thailand by the you know by the by the silk rope the, the kimono the vibrating nunchucks whatever you do to get your rocks off if MMA is not enough uh, go to amazon.com <laughs> click the link go to amazon.com and uh, shop for what you like and uh, it will uh, kick back to this show and I will pontificate on your purchase and again I won't call you out because I don't know who you are but somebody got uh 20th anniversary of who will cut our hair when we're gone oh wow that is interesting thank you for buying that that was not cheap um so i appreciate that somebody bought so this is permanence all right what is that i'm gonna click ah book nice nice i, I recently bought a bought a book lately you could tell i'm a, I'm a stupid person because i'm really i'm really i'm really smart because i don't buy books very much and i was like oh i bought a paperback book that looks like a nice paperback book and I'm sure you're not dumb like me. I'm saying I'm stupid. Thank you for buying that. Two-tone tie fisherman pants. Yoga. Trouser-free size. Uh, nice. Tone, two-tone tie fisherman pants. Yoga. What, what do those look like? Two-tone two tie. Huh? I appreciate you buying those. Thank you. Someone bought a Sylvania. Isn't that, they used to make TVs back in the day. Like I used to remember like a, a Sylvania. Long life miniature light bulb. Okay, they're still in the electronics. I remember Sylvania TVs. If I ever saw one, it was usually like in a... It was like the early 90s, and it was like an old, like, 80s, early 80s, late 70s TV or something, you know, and, and in, like, some old person's house. And there's, like, all, you know, nine times out of ten, if I saw Sylvania TV, there was John Wayne playing. Like, Jesus Christ. Dan, you grow up with Brown Boomers? Did. Did. Astro AI Multimeter Counts. Digital Multimeter. Uh, thank you for buying that, whatever that is. Hide and drink. Two-toe red men stitcher leather handmade. Okay, cool. Thank you. Degree men ultra clear antiperspirant. You know, I got to re-up on some deodorant. I'm a sweaty bastard, so thank you for reminding me. Appreciate you buying through the link. Someone bought a Finity rotating case for an iPad ninth generation. I appreciate you purchasing that. Purchasing that. Someone bought a guitar tuner rechargeable tuner clip. Guitar, bass. Nice. Kigartana. Okay, I appreciate that. Uh, ring to cage Muay Thai shorts. Yeah, baby. I've been waiting for these Muay Thai shorts that I ordered. Do not order from... Uh, is it Nakamoy or Ta is it Top King? I forget. I like the shorts Top King, but like the, I ordered like direct from Thailand or some of this thing, and it's been like ridiculous. Apparently, they're in the, they're in the mail. Not that, not that these legs need to be getting tanned this summer. Pelios uh, <laughs> Compatible Link Cartridge Replacement. Thank you for buying that. Someone bought a vintage Viking-style belt buckle. Celtic nah, that sounds sounds like you could probably commit a hate crime with that. So hopefully you're not. But I appreciate you buying. <laughs> hopefully it at least opens a beer. There's gotta be a beer, like a Norse kind of a bottle opener, right? Right? Drink to the gods. Uh, I've I've got some Nordic in me as well, believe it or not. You wouldn't tell, and I'm definitely not claiming anybody. No, no, no. Not none of that. No. Uh <laughs> Clearly, right? Clearly, Dan. Bullet Personal Blender. Thank you for buying that. Appreciate that. Someone got a Faith Heart Black Large Man Biker Ring Norse Hammer Thor. Appreciate my Viking brother in there. You, you get the Viking stuff that I, I I will I will enjoy vicariously through you that I could not pull off. Whoever you are, I, I'm, I'm sure you can pull it off. Me? <laughs> not so much. So uh, I will enjoy it very vicariously through you. Two pairs of compression ankle sleeve Muay Thai foot brace boxing Hey man, I, I appreciate uh you know buying workout clothes is half the battle. You know, 
the girls could do it for fun, so can we. Honestly, though, I, I get pumped when I like buy a new, like, something to work out. And I'm like, ah, sweet. All right. This is motivating. Um, someone bought a mattress topper. Those are always good. I, I, I might have to get a new mattress, to be honest. But uh, mattress toppers uh, make a big difference, too. And lastly, but not leastly, thank you for sticking with me, folks. Men's boxing shoes, professional boxing shoes. Thank you for buying those. I hope those work out. I love my boxing shoes. I haven't worn them in a while because I've been on a real kicking. Uh, I mean, my two punching bags are... Um, I still got to get my double M bag done, which is boxing, obviously, but I got a, a teardrop and a, and a uh, you know, um, a banana, a long banana, <laughs> a long, long, long banana, tie bag. Um, <laughs> Jesus, damn. Thank you, though. That, that's, of course, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, and uh, I'll read the positive ratings and reviews last time I want to get the show on the road. We've already been long enough. I'm already late enough, and let's look at the time. 27, 32. Amazon. All right, guys. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Da, 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 da. I uh, I'll have to go back and answer your guys' questions. I see some questions from the regulars who uh, I will love to answer if we uh, have time here. But uh, I want to push on right on through to the other side. Hey, hey. Uh, shouts to everybody. Shouts to my guy D Love. Uh, I got a message from him. I got to answer that. I haven't gotten to my Instagram yet. Uh, but of course, the tumorictonic.com. I don't have any to drink in front of you guys. I actually just had my smoothie this morning for once. I got it in before noon. I remember last time that's happened. Uh, but yes, of course, I love my turmeric and my guy D love the tumorictonic.com. That's T U R M E R I C. There's a like a silent R in there. The tumorictonic.com. Go there. Use code protect15 for 15% off. And uh, it's amazing blend with a little bit of hints of lemon, some ginger, all the good stuff for your bones, immune system, uh, anti-inflammatory, and the like. Supercharge it, baby. Uh, not a paid sponsorship, uh, but uh, a, a good business that uh, I, I like to work with any chance I get. So go support good people, local people. If you guys have businesses and want to plug or sponsor the show, get at me. Same way I told my guy. Uh, who was it, Jimmy Kudo earlier asking about mod chat stuff? Uh, email me. Uh, I, I honestly don't. I can't, I've got like four emails. So I don't even know which email is listed. So I'm just going to direct you to where my emails are listed mixedmarshallanalyst.com. And of course, the link tree uh, at DanTomMMA, where I'm most active as of now on Twitter. We'll see. Um, we can just, you know, we can uh, survive the Fraser's Billionaire Wars. All right, uh, 29 minutes in, eh, roughly 29.30. All right, guys, we're here. UFC Vegas 74, UFC on ESPN 46, UFC Fight Night, Cara France versus Albazi. Of course, as we touched, and I'm sure you've seen on your timeline as we touched on one of the last episodes, I don't officially put the watch-along commentaries as episodes. I don't know why, but I haven't done it with the previous and then may reruns with Brad. I haven't done it with the live commentaries with Ant, so I'm going to just keep consistent. But the last episode before that was the top five flyweight bouts with my guy Drake Riggs. Shout out to Drake again for doing the show. Uh, another another amazing follow there. Um, as you guys know, it's been since August of 2017, over half a decade since we've had a non-title USC flyweight headliner. That, was, of course, was between Sergio Pettis and Brandon Moreno. That may have been an originally scheduled one. And the last and one of the few originally scheduled non-title flyweight headliners, uh, because that took place in Mexico, 
and Moreno is Mexican. Forgive me for being reductive there. I only bring that up because this one, as well as back to my top five, I believe my number five choice or number four, Paddy Hulen, uh, despite being Irish in the Irish crowd there, actually wasn't planned to headline opposite Luis Smoka. It was uh, multiple, they had multiple slot jumps, albeit the main event only had one change. I believe this main event for UFC Vegas 74, the fight card were breaking down. Um, forgive me, a lot of dates here juggling. Uh, of course, this was not uh, initially meant to be the main event. So before we give them credit, let's not give them too much credit, especially since Edom McMaynard's out there being sticklers. And uh, you know, I almost feel hurt, you know. Uh, uh, you know, I, I know Junkie, we get written off with a lot of stuff, but I'm out here telling it like it is, you know what I'm saying, for whatever that's worth. I know my articles don't do much, clearly. You know, I, the matchmakers don't. I, 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 I'm much more ruder than Bloody Elbow is. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sitting here calling for Joe Silva back, you know. You know, this is like being like, you know... Things were better when Pol Pot was around. <laughs> it's like, I'm almost going there to counter the UFC matchmakers. Sorry, that was a deep cut there. I didn't want to go with the classic, uh, I didn't want to go with the classic MMA-themed, uh, uh, you know, typical Nazi names there. But, you know, you guys get what I'm saying there. Um, but yes, of course, this card is headlined by Kai Car France, who opened as a 2-1 to favorite. Um, and is down almost a whole dollar minus one ten as it is one ten. That's right, a pick em across the board. Albazi Cara France. Um, I like many of you, uh, you know, would, would assume of me, and uh, you know, uh, people like me, analysts who usually try to go off more proven products, and we tend to kind of fall more into those biases, get there in our own different ways, in our own different styles. But yes, you would be right to accuse me of that. Um, but I, I, I ended up the other way very reluctantly here, which explains my betting angle, which, you know, you know if you're reluctant, why pick? Well, it's because I didn't pick a side. I went in the total department. Um, been changing my attitude on totals the last couple of years. Been been trying to use them more. And, you know, again, I'm not going to be careful about saying successfully on anything these days, but much more successfully than I was. That's fair. I'm jinxing things, hopefully. Um, we'll see. We've got some totals coming your way, some plays coming your way. I actually did the whole main card. Again, benefit of not cramming it until like a Thursday afternoon, early evening, my time, wait until the next day. Uh, I actually was able to finish tape study for the whole main card. I got, I got, I got some analysis coming your way. But uh, yeah, for this one, um, ended up going with Al Bazi. This is tough because I feel like, and again, um, okay, either it's on the hype slash extreme couture bias for Albazi and or discounting Car France off his old stereotype and old traditional trope that pressure grapplers are problematic for him. Actually, the case is no and no. Um, don't know Albazi, haven't trained with him. Trains at Dewey Cooper at Extreme Couture, but also trains at Dewey Cooper's gym as well as the PI. Doesn't work with my guy Eric Nixig. Not that uh, they're not, not, not friendly or I'm sure he's helped or whatever, but like that's not one of his co main coaches and corners, right, if we're, we're looking at things directly. Um, so I can honestly tell you there's no bias there. You know, did it, does it did it maybe creep in on a close fight and I ended up on the guy who trains in my backyard? Sure, you can accuse me of that much bias, if anything. Sure, and I, I'm not one to deny that. Never have been. Always stated. And now. Um, and as far as the Kaikara Car, France thing, no, I would say that I learned... Um, I've been pretty good at picking Kai Car France's fight, minus the one I was about to say that I learned from. We'll see what we really learn, how that really even matters, right? More importantly in this game, volatile game, 
flipping coins, right? We have to keep real about that, you know. Even people like me who do the work and do the tape study, let's let's be honest, it's not, it's a fucking volatile game. It's, there's a lot of luck involved. Um, something to always keep in mind. Uh, but yeah, the Rogero Bontorin fight, you know, I think that was one of the ones I got wrong with Kai Kara France. Um, I've been able to pick against him right successfully otherwise when it came to Brandon Royville. Cashed on a dog there. Don't think he should have been a dog on that one. Uh, Brandon Moreno, again, the first time around. And picked him the second time when he wasn't a dog, but uh, was able to pick the method, if you remember on the podcast, talking about the left switch kick and dipping into that side. That is something I have a radar for. We will definitely be talking about in the co-main event, right? Um, so those are the things I was looking for, you know, body work and what are left-sided strikes. Now, Albazi's striking is improved, and part of the reason why I'm picking him is because he has shown really impressive striking improvements, for one, with the feints and footwork, not throwing himself out of position. Um, he has giant hands. I think he's the only flyweight with size XL gloves, which is insane. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> he is very strong, has KO power, and uh, is athletic. Those are three different things, separate things. The strength more lend itself to like grappling positions because we'll get to it. I don't think he's as good as a wrestler as, as perhaps advertised, and he hasn't at least had the ability to show it yet. We will see. I think that Kai Kara France can actually make it very difficult for him. Back to why I said I wasn't falling into that trope, and I've put this in writing even when picking against Kai Kara France before the previous breakdown where I laid out how he was going to lose the body kick, the dipping. I also said that you could argue at this point of his career, he's gotten to be such a good counter grappler that Kai Kara France arguably does better against people who are trying to grapple him, right? We saw that with Askar Askarov, who I think is a better wrestler, better chain wrestler at the very least, and a better transitional uh, grappler than Albazi. But he's not a better striker than Albazi. I don't think he's stronger than Albazi. He's not more athletic than Albazi. And he doesn't have the punching power in Albazi. Again, athletic, strong, punching power. Three different uh, designations, three different things there, right? Um, and those are part of the reasons why I'm leaning with Albazi. But back to what I was saying about the body work of left-sided strikes, that part does trouble me. Albazi will make things up. Um, he, will, he has gone to the body more in his small sample size. Uh, since working with Dewey Cooper, you know, similar to what I was saying with Edmund Shabazian. Shabazian. Um, you know, so those are good things. And w when you listen to his corner, whether it was the Dewey Cooper corner or his prior corner, which I believe still bleeds through now, some very smart people, you know, lo knowing how to tell him, reminding him, even though Albazi with his right leg kick and his right hand and his right uppercut, he's a very, his dangerous side is his right side clearly, but he's very active and very educated with his lead side. And you can tell that was coached into him from his previous corner. I only imagine those things track and he gets more uh, from the MMA kickboxing uh, experience from the Dewey Cooper side of things. When either coaches have called to work the body he has, but he is mainly head second legs and of course like most fighters body lastly and again educated with the left hand but not really you know swinging the left hooks to the body too much not really throwing the big switch kicks like Brandon Moreno not even like you know switching oh you know uh, obviously to uh, southpaw sorry still dealing with eye issues here folks um still getting things done but uh yeah um yeah you know so those things kind of you know don't make me as confident when I'm looking to pick against, you know, Kai Kara France. Not that I'm looking to pick against Kai Kara France or City Kickboxing. Amazing gym. Uh, they prove they can come back from things. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll be very happy for Kai. I like Kai. Um, but ultimately, uh, whether Albazi wants to keep things standing or mixing the takedowns, 
Uh, I do believe the small cage is going to play to it. We really haven't seen either in five rounds. I know Kaikara France has been scheduled for five rounds more. He made it into a... No, not even into a fourth round. Um, he was looking really good against Brandon Moreno, which should not go overlooked, obviously, in that fight. Um, particularly off the counter, which has been... Something Kai has really crafted that outside game, kind of like his own version of Volkanovski, but he's more a little more explosive, blitzy with the pop, with the pop shots, you know. Um, variates more with the uh, body jab, um, Kai Car France does. Uh, sorry, I lost the thread there. Don't get hit in the head, folks. Um, yeah, like uh, so, so you know, I could totally see encountering and winning, but. That's where I was going to get to. Um, traditionally, another reason why I picked against him, he has slowed down in fights um, come the third round. This fight was originally scheduled for three rounds. Now, City Kickboxing, and this is not something Kai was just saying for media in the lead-up. I've heard that plenty of people from the camp say this. They always train for five-round fights, as do most gyms. Most gyms will have you going maybe not so much longer rounds. They should be keeping the same rounds, to be honest, of what you're fighting. But, you know, you'll be going, you know, maybe like five to five to even to five to seven, right? Like in, and maybe you're not going all those. Maybe some of those are more focused rounds. You're listening to your body, uh, more selected partners. Maybe your sparring sessions get more catered as you get closer as they should. Um, this is not a default all, but I'm just pointing out that uh, a lot of camps do train, um, but five rounds as the fighters admit themselves is also different. So you got to wonder there, right? As far as uh, cardio, whereas Albazi, that was something I was looking at. He did look like, um, you know, he was uh, breathing heavy after one of his early three-round victories. But uh, then in uh, you know, other fights, uh, you know, he looks really good and, and uh, you know, gets the third-round uh, stoppage his last time out. Uh, against a guy who I think, you know, um, has some upside, but obviously was taking that fight on short notice, was uh, out of his uh, out of his zone there. So it's really hard to see. You know, I totally obviously get the comparisons of skill, even though the uh, ZZ bottom win it, it, it counts a lot for me. You guys know I'm a big fan of Zhao Gujumagulov uh, as far as Albazi's win over his him goes. But yeah, like he he's not as proven, man. This is the you know this the discount you're getting. You, it feels like a Car France or pass, you know. Especially if you could get plus money on Car France, I don't think you will. I think I think we found the bottom of the line. It's going to settle it even. Um, but uh, regardless of the line, um, I ended up siding with Albazi. Again, the more dangerous um, grappler and the more dangerous finisher um, overall, I think, is Albazi. It could be. you know. Again, um, the athleticism in the hands, he's still improving. I know they're about the same age, uh, slightly younger, slightly younger in his career, I think Albazi is, but they're close enough in age. They're both still young, but I feel like, uh, you know, um, we'll see. Car I think Car France is closer to a finished product, but that doesn't mean he can't win this fight. He's favored for a reason. I, be I believe he deserves to be favored. Gonna semi-reluctantly pick Albazi to finish by the fourth round. Either a club and sub, or hurting him and getting on top and for forcing a stoppage on a tired Kaikara Ka Ka France. It's gonna have to be a hurt and or tired Kaikara France because he scrambles so damn well. Um, but yeah, that is that is the pick. And I ended up playing, of course, fight doesn't go the distance. I don't know if that's a total. That counts as a total, actually. I do have two totals coming your way. But, yeah, I played Fight Doesn't Go the Distance. Minus 145, 1.5 units. Uh, so just a little over a unit return. That is the only bet I have. Let's just let's just get a finish, you know. Hopefully it's like a similar thing on uh, on uh, Song Simon Vato where everybody's arguing about a side and who's going to look smart because it was one of those fights where, you know, whoever wins was going to look brilliant. You know me, I don't live on die on that stuff. That's more the MMA Twitter, Twitter deal, gambling Twitter deal. 
Um, I, God forbid, went for the medium price, which was very playable at minus 135, and played the under so that someone would get a finish. Uh, we cashed that, and uh, I think people were still giving me crap, like, uh, oh, it's not a very, you know, I wouldn't consider that a, you know, a great, the best bet you could have made. Like, okay, okay, all right. Never going to make him happy. All right, uh, moving on to the uh, next fight, and uh, I'll get to you guys' questions at the end. I'm just going to try to blow through this and try not to get my already sidetrackable ass even more sidetrack. Um, I'm going to do a old uh, retweet on the Twitter uh, machine, too, as well. Just to uh, get this out here. Bada boom. All right. Uh, we got Alex Caceres, minus 175. Daniel the Pit Pineda, plus 145. Um, got to do a little bit of victory lapping here, I guess. But yes, of course, again, I've been picking more proven products, more dangerous grapplers in the smaller cage. And even though UFC San Antonio was not in a smaller cage, the more proven product part was. I mean... Uh, again, nothing against Tucker Lutz. How the hell was Tucker Lutz the biggest favorite on the card? I know it was only like minus, you know, 250 or something in that neighborhood, but still, like that, that ended up being the biggest favorite on the card. And, and of course, I cashed big on Pineda, both in my prop squad. Another, yet another prop squad hit, round two. Pineda by sub. Pineda money line. And I cashed those tickets uh, in person. That was also the same day I had that I hit that minus uh, 700 for $100 ticket. On Land War sub that inspired my Nuchuku bet that I came just short of the counter with, but we know the story there. We don't have to get uh, involved with that one. Um, but yeah, uh, and of course, MMA gamblers, shout out to Lance Fischel, uh, were actually with me uh, that day in the sports book watching me play and cash these things. Untracked, that if I would, would have been way up. So again, free, accountable, witnesses in person, even from MMA gambling Twitter, posting wins. And losing tickets. Don't know what else you want from me, folks. Don't know what else you want. That was a big fucking night. And uh, the real ones cashed there. So good on you. Um, you think I'd be rolling with that way here. And yes, spoiler alert. I actually ended up picking Pineda. But I've been waffling back and forth on this fight. I wanted to change my pick just this morning. And I initially came in leaning toward Alex Caceres, who is the favorite. Uh, not only is Pineda 0-1 officially against UFC-level Southpaws, 1-1-1 in the Apex. Alex Caceres is 5-1 in the UFC Apex and um, throws the, you know, recently coming off of a kick and kick combo and, you know, throws everything, first of all, that a Southpaw should never leave home without the variating Southpaw double attacks, the kicks to the heart, kicks to the body and the head off the cross, but also, yes, the counter and offensive crosses with the check hook and toe. A very tricky fighter to track down. He has footwork. He actually knows to circle to the inside. Um, does that you know deceptively well. Even in the smaller cage, something his corner also consistently calls for, which is nice. So if Pineda cannot take him down, get stuck at range, back to what I said, dipping propensities, wrestle, you know, I, I don't know if you consider, you think of wrestle boxers and Daniel Pineda as the first person who comes to mind, but he has the wrestle boxing propensities of dipping heavily to his power side, which is the power side for a southpaw in an open stance matchup. DC John Jones, a very famous one, of course, right? Death taxes and wrestle boxers dipping in a head southpaw head kicks. Um, these things happen. Even, I think I called it with like a Nemkov, who won by sub, got that plus $2,100 ticket. Another ticket I 
Uh, I got to get Lance Fischel with me more in the sports books. I seem to cash really big sub tickets and have really big nights when he's there. That's where I had the double dip Bellator night, like a seven man parlay, Nemkov by sub 2100. Before we got the sub, and even though Nemkov's not even a southpaw, what does he do? He throws like a lot of Russian and Eastern European kickboxers. Very savvy off the lead side. Uh, like Rashid Magomedov, they get those sneaky kicks off the lead side, which kind of turn into sneaky, almost southpaw kicks, because they are left kicks. And the fighter who was a wrestle boxer, Namkov, was facing, will dip to that side. This is just this is just something I always look for. Um, and when he did face one southpaw, who was more of a grappler than known for a striker, uh, who I did like, by the way, the Scotsman Robert Whitefert. Haggis. Got a haggis story. Uh, Robert Whitefert. Um... He fought him, of course, uh, back in his first stint. Pineda did in the UFC, and you see it there. I put, to put that out in the Southpaw Report, I actually put video for that one for you guys. And well, that fight, Dan, was back in 2014. That was nine years ago. Sure, sure, sure. But those dips are still inherent in the style, so you see it whenever someone goes Southpaw. Uh, Tucker Lutz, because he was Tucker Lutz, you know, didn't really have the same kind of umph on it, but was able to have some success, but not too much success. Hence, why it didn't make the cut for my video. But staying in the relevant department, the fight just before that with Pineda was the was the no contest, which of course he was losing to Andre Feely, right? Um, picked Andre Feely there, so I'm with you if you, you got you lost on that one. You know, we'll talk about the Benoit Saint Denis Easy to Santos if you lost on that. Oh boy, some PTSD to go with the with the with the winning reflections here. Don't worry, folks. Um, but yeah, you look at Andre Feely, who was another fighter who would consistently fight from Southpaw, so I went back to watch that. And yeah, he hurts them both to the body and the head. You still see the same dipping propensities there. So. All that should, you know, only reinforce the favorite. Only reinforce if you are on the side of Caceres, who has made a, a thing to improve his grappling. He's even done um, not the same ones. I think one of them's been doing them for Fury. The other one's been doing them for a different organization. Uh, but he's been doing uh, grappling as well on the offseason. You know, Alex Caceres used to be submitted a lot more earlier in his career, has really made improvements of that. Daniel Pineda's always been a proven black belt, but really has not gotten a lot of credit in his last run since his uh, since he popped for, for, for drugs. Uh, I know, surprise, and everyone's, you know, when people break him down, they're like, oh, that's because that's why he got it. Yeah, yeah, that's why he's the only fighter on this stuff. Yep, yep, he was only on it those times and none of the other times when he lost either. You know, nope, nope. No, no, no fighters, just Pineda. Only those times he won when you may might have bet against him, right? Um, you know, it's just how it goes, man. And he's beat guys from my gym, so I get it, man. I get it. But you got to be real. You got to put those biases aside, especially when we're talking about the betting things as best you can, at least. We are human. You got to admit that, too. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, he's got that. But when you look at it, it's funny. Pineda going to a draw with guys who are really good back takers, really good finishers, whether it's. Um, MMA back tickers like Grant Dawson or Davi Hamosh. I mean, that's that's really freaking legit, you know. Um, and Pineda regularly competes. Those are just what's showing on his tapology records. He's been a black belt for a minute. Uh, trains with dangerous guys like uh, Rafael Alves, Wicked Guillotine, um, some underrated wrestling, uh, uh, you know, for a Brazilian jiu-jitsu cat. Um, insane athlete. That's like one of his main trading partners. Uh, and his wrestling has, you know, it's always kind of been there, but it, it has, you know, gotten better with the uh, the physicality. Again, let's be honest, right? I, I don't know if I'm you want to qualify as defending the guy what I just did, but yeah, let's 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 address the elephant in the room that that physicality probably hasn't hurt his wrestling much because that seems to be just as alive. And uh, even with Caceres being better, his more submissions is more like. Uh, you know, like a Sergio Pettis to Sungwoo Choi, like a hype new striker guy kind of slips up young in his career. Like that's kind of Alex Caceres' M.O. 
Uh, I'm all about this Bruce Leroy glow, man. And uh, by the way, shout out to people who actually know where that's from, the Black Dragon. Uh, but yeah, um, he just, he, you know, I don't think it's like had that fluky his run so much, so to speak. But uh, uh, as far as where he gets his submissions, that's where it usually turns up. And even giving Alex the credit he got, I think you go a recent grappling match, who did he face? And he actually got submitted uh, RNC, right? And I know Pineda is more of a front choke guy or Kimura armbar, leg lock. Like he pretty much, Pineda can get submissions everywhere, uh, but he actually has the most common one, the least in his submission repertoire, which is funny. Uh, as far as that goes for RNCs, doesn't mean he can't get there. He's not a good back taker. The guy is super confident. Uh, everywhere. Uh, he lost to uh, Pat Sabatini, rear naked choke. Alex Caceres did. Um, yeah, so it shows that and Pat Sabatini is obviously a beast. You guys know I'm super high on Pat Sabatini. Um, so you shouldn't hold that against Caceres, but it also shows that those problems are there. And I watch him, and as a guy who's a veteran, it, you know, as far as like a veteran hobbyist, we'll just say, I don't want to fucking talk about him for like an asshole like I did. My guy, uh, Ben fucking Cones, uh, mentions there. Mind that I'm just a just a purple. It doesn't matter. I could be. I could finally get my brown belt. I could get a black belt. I'm still gonna be fucking uh, a nerd. But uh, I definitely don't want to come out too far off my britches. But as a guy who's been grappling for a while um, and is really probably most confident with my back defense because I play turtle so much. Um, I had Wardo tell was like this uh, wrestling athlete the other day. It was really funny at open mats. Um, really confident in my turtle. Uh, at the same token, you guys know what I get submitted by most, right? RNCs. So <laughs> there is a thing to that when you are confident about giving your back. And when I look at Casera's scramble, you know, despite coming from the John Crouch school where he'll still cross wrist and get up and still remember to do that sometimes, he just inherently gives his back, man, you know? And against good back takers, it's always going to be there. And even from a more reductive point of view, if we zoom out and we just look at his resume, it's not that he hasn't beaten good grapplers or guys who have wanted to grapple him, right? Um, he has, although, by the way, those guys like Steve Peterson's of the world and so forth and whatnot, if you actually go back and watch those fights, they are actually able to get his back too, hence my point, right, about giving your back. But again, if we go reductive, it's not that he hasn't beaten guys who have wanted to grapple him or guys who have, you know, decent grappling repertoires of note in their game, per se. But if you look at persistent, top, whether it's top-level grapplers slash and or persistent grapplers, people who know what they want and get after it against Caceres, throughout all iterations of his career, they tend to get what they want, and that's the RNC, or a submission. So, ultimately, it's that. Nothing to do with the bias, man. I was ready to, I was hoping, actually, to not pick Pineda to show that this is what you got to be able to do. You got to be able to cash on a guy and be able to turn coat just that fast in this game, right? Want to talk about putting biases aside, you know? I know I'm the nice guy here, but you really got to think that way. No, before those stylistic reasons, I ended up sticking with Pineda again. Small cage, more dangerous grappler. Um, Pineda was one of the first to the scales. Um, looks locked on, motivated with a new contract, which can also be dangerous. You can also get the, you know, the Jacare, Souza, Robert Whitaker, where they get the new contract on fight week which I don't like because it's just like wait so you got something it's like it's like a kid when you open your Christmas presents early there's a deflation there right and that also says that you might have had extra stress you were still in, in negotiation flux amongst all the weight and fight flux that goes on during a fight week that can't be great that can't help at, at the very least um, but yeah he, he, he got this he fought for his contract and uh, 
got it at the beginning of fight camp so uh, to, 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 to motivate him. So give me Pineda. Um, I might do Pineda by sub. Uh, I have Pineda written down on my round robin slot. It's weird because there are certain lines not out slash I don't know what I'll be allowed to play. But I'll, I've got a pretty good cue on my lineup, so at least I'll be able to give you guys here that at the end of the recap. But Pineda by sub will probably be a play on there. <clears throat> um, all right, next fight. Appreciate the questions and the likes, guys. I'm going to get to your uh, get to it at the end here. I just want to try to blow through these. Um, Tim Elliott, minus 185. Victor Altamirano, plus 150. Again, not going to talk about personal stuff. Who cares about that stuff? Um, just wishing Tim the best here. Uh, and I am picking him, and not because of that personal stuff. Uh, you know, uh, it's because he deserves to be the favorite here. Um, it, it is a strange fight, though. So Tim Elliott is the listed southpaw who fights switch dance, whereas Victor Altamirano pretty much fights 98% southpaw, but lists himself switch dance. And I still accounted for that in the southpaw report, which is interesting here. So Altamirano is actually 2-0 against southpaws. Uh, Vinicius Salvador, his last fight, and then his... Uh, contender series to win, which was a split decision that people scored against him. Could have gone either way. I was very sympathetic to the Altamirano scorecard. I could see how the judges could have got there, though I totally obviously see why the broadcast and the Gen Pop thought Condelario won. Um, Condelario, left hands were there all day. So were, uh, you know, um, it, that was the common thread, I should say, for Salvador and Candelario, the southpaws, that he went 2-0 and against competitive fights despite being a split that could have gone the other way even the unanimous decision was much more competitive than a unanimous decision the title of may lead on uh, again left hands were the common thread and which makes sense because again even though he lists himself a switch he primarily fights from southpaw and i say this as a southpaw oftentimes the hardest shots to find sorry dogs are barking hardest shots to find oh dogs are barking careful to morano um Hey, maybe that, that, that plays into my play here too, too as well. Uh, picking Tim Elliott, but um, as I say, as a southpaw, sometimes your blind spot is just the left hands, right? Um, George Masvidal, Darren Till, uh, you know, boxing. What is it? Uh, Who's the fucking that does it? Uh, I forget. But Conor Reba shouts it out all the time. He, he, it's one of his focuses for the southpaw killer. We talk about that. Whether you're orthodox or, or drop shifting to a southpaw stance, you throw that overhand left for the left hand. It, you know, the outside angle. Uh, translates to an outside range that a southpaws can get too comfortable with and um and yeah and and yeah you can get you can get caught there um also altamirano it's funny it's like a mirror match they're both super awkward guys hilariously obviously that's awkward mma tim elliott's nickname but altamirano is a super awkward guy in every sense of the word and i say that respectfully and lovingly um as an awkward gentleman myself right um, gentleman, probably too strong of a word for me, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, very awkward, and he even does like a lot of these dips and trunk, heavy truncated movements where he's just asking to walk into a kick. And even though he's got like a second degree black belt in Taekwondo, one degree higher than my black belt, so I got to tip my cap there. Um, at the same time, and which I can also talk about as somebody who competed on the national level, uh, Taekwondo black belt. Not count that black belt because I was technically under 18. And that shouldn't be a thing but they compete on the national level for what it's worth. And even then, I can tell you, and I'm not going off of my anecdotal information, which I do have to go off of, but looking at the more higher-level guys at those tournaments, which is why I brought it up, defense isn't the strong point, which is why from early MMA, when you had the Taekwondo guys jumping in to even more Taekwondo-centric guys, um, they're having to use different defenses. Even in my karate, sport karate, I remember you know, being one of the few guys that actually was conditioning my shin to check. 
and would hurt people and pride pride checking and hurting people's shins wasn't as many leg kicks as far as that goes in sport karate but um i kept a low stance and body body kicks were a normal thing so i would do those high checks and and, and try to fuck up their shins that way uh, because again karate defense especially chinese kempo we had more you know uh you know wing blocks and stuff like that kind of much more defensively savvy there but still not great defensively. And again, we're comparing to Taekwondo defense, almost vacant. Again, great offense kicks doesn't mean the defense is at the same level, folks, is what I'm trying to say. Not trying to shit on the traditional martial arts I come from, just trying to lend some insight as to why perhaps a guy with good kicks, not great kick defense. And do not be surprised if Alta Murano might not be this fight against Tim Elliott, though Tim Elliott will, can still get high kicks up there, by the way, against tall guys. We saw that against Tajir Ulambekov. Um... I cannot help but see Altamirano getting hit KO'd sometime in his future if he doesn't fix that. But he's a very tough kid. I see him more falling by submission in general or in this match than anything. He could also get wrestled by uh, two by decision. Maybe Tim Elliott goes veteran, wants to really secure the win, secure some, uh, maybe secure some mic time. But I've also heard say that he's actually looking forward to mic time and actually is trying avidly to not fight a decision. And between the small cage encouraging him and Tim Elliott seems to have a good style on the read. You know, he's living like an athlete, moved over to Texas, cut out alcohol, all those things. This is his natural weight class. Altamirano's the young kid, but let's not forget, Altamirano is 32, and he is a tall 5'8", going on 5'9", and looks to have more muscle than, like, Luis Smoka and, like, 5'9", 5'8"-ish uh, flyweights, tall flyweights have had before him. More muscles than 5'8", shorter 5'8", uh, and Paivas, who couldn't make the weight, right? Altamirano has shown two he doesn't have as much of a pace as Elliot, but he is a high, naturally high pace because he's a flyweight. But he has shown that he he can flag a bit, a little bit in those third rounds as well. Even though he'll fight and dog it out like he did in his last fight, uh, he will fight. But he's also not at, at, at his 100%. I think the weight cut, remember folks, bantamweight, flyweight, maybe even featherweight, depending on the size of the person, if they're tall and lanky, making big cuts. And now we're getting into 30, not just the 30s, 32, 33. That's when I look to fade. So that is something to look for. I know everybody, you know, MMA gambling Twitter, they love, love fading the old guys. But uh, there's actually some some fade material to look for on the other side. Will it turn up in this fight? Might not. It could not easily. But it is definitely, again, just like the head kick read, it is something to look for on the Altamirano side. Altamirano looks like he really has tried to improve his wrestling. Um, don't know much about his camp in Mexico City that he looks like he still trains at. I don't recognize the people he's training with. Doesn't look like he, he's usually just by himself when he's training and the stuff that he posts. Um, but it looks like those impress those improvements are like offensive. Like he's been really incorporating his shots, but his shots aren't great. I don't think he's going to get them on Tim Elliott, who obviously showed his defense and scrambling is still in tow in the TG Ulambekov fight, regardless of how you scored it. Um, there were some good things there. He's you know he dropped uh, Ulambekov with a left hand again, common culprit left hands for Altamirano, right? Uh, and his wrestling is still there, you know. Uh, Tim Elliott, his southpaw record is bad, right? His southpaw record actually is terrible. He beats Jens Pulver at 135. You know, this is Jens Pulver on his way out over in the RFA in between UFC stints. Uh, or maybe before uh, his first UFC stint, I should say, even. Um, but then he loses to Dotson, Makovsky, Joseph Benavidez, uh, Askar Askarov, and Brandon Royville, right? Um 
Tim Elliott does. But those are all either submission losses and or people who could out-wrestle slash compete with him in the wrestling. That's always been the key. And those are also really good names, too, obviously. OGs like Mikovsky, Benavidez. Come on now, right? Uh, and even Dotson, who was a striker. Well, Dotson was a striker, yeah, but Dotson, he still fits the bill as far as dictating the wrestling, albeit defensively. And if you go and look at the stats, he actually scored two takedowns in that fight, so he actually got more offensively done as well for what that's worth. So that is kind of the key there, and that is the weakest part of Altamirano's game. Good ground and pound, he gets on top. Looks like he's trying to improve his shots. Sizable guy, but I don't know how much he can keep healthily making the weight. He's not really physically strong despite being uh, a big physical frame. He doesn't exactly have the athleticism or power, right? Um, could he catch Elliott dipping into something as well? Because we've seen that as well. That's why I read that on Altamirano, because we've seen that with uh, what Ben Wynn, right? I know it goes down as like a ground and pound or a submission or something, but like he dips into a head kick is what got Tim Elliott caught there. So both guys are going to be playing with fire. It's a fiery matchup. It's the small cage. So I went with the under, just like I did with uh, Caceres Pineda. By the way, oh, yeah, that was it. Uh, I went with Caceres Pineda under 1.5 plus 151 unit uh, because, again, Pineda's, you know Pineda, he's he's round one or two. Oh, well, round two, you still have room to be wrong there, Dan. Uh, half a round. Yes, true, but if it even goes to halfway through round two, something went wrong for Pineda. You know what I'm saying? And although a decision for Caceres, a frustrating decision could be on the, the table. Pineda won't let that happen. The small cage, you know, not that he won't. It's going to be hard to let that happen against a guy like Pineda, especially in the small cage. And again, uh, uh, an early shocking KO is live throughout for Caceres as well. So I like the under there. Back to this fight, uh, Elliot uh, Altamirano under 2.5. We've got a little bit more time and a bigger number. Flyweight unders, baby. You know, you can miss hard, but you're usually going to get a, no a nice number if you stab. I'm getting over 2-1 to one plus 210. I, I can't help but take a stab on that, especially because I have a two-unit play coming up. So, you know, it's nice to be able to cover that uh, off of a one-unit stab off of an under a 2.5. So we just need to finish. We need some flyweight violence, you know. I like the big guy over as well. Why don't I give some love to the little guy unders, especially at over 2-1. to one. That's what I got for that fight. All right, uh, those are the most analysis back fights. The rest should be pretty fast from here on out, and I'll get to your guys' questions again. Thanks for the likes and subscribes. We've got Kareen Silva minus 225. Kareen Silva minus 225, sorry. Ketlin Souza uh, plus 185. They're throwing the Reebok era shirt, Brazilian generator, nickname mixer at us, but this is a real matchup, folks. Rest assured, I actually watched a little bit of tape on this. Basically going to go with Kareen Silva. She is the cleaner striker. She's the cleaner submission artist, cleaner wrestler. Um... She is just as, if not more, athletic than Souza, which is Souza's big edge. Souza's very wild, dangerous. She's got some good collar tie strikes. Um, she's got some submissions in her back pocket and can, you know, she's dangerous on the feet, dangerous on the floor. But she is so wild that she leaves herself open for counters. She throws herself out of position multiple times um, just to end up on the floor and on her back. And that's either going to end up on her back against a girl who's a legit purple belt. No ranking listing for Caitlin Souza, by the way. Kareen Silva, legit purple belt. Really like her game. She's really well trained. Uh, strong on top, but also dangerous from a front headlock. So throwing yourself out of position, even if she's not shooting a bad shot, uh, which she will do, even after she rocks you, like Caitlin Souza, I've seen her rock an opponent and then immediately crash into the clench. Like, what are you doing? So whether it's that, whether it's throwing her out of position or a legitimate shot, she's going to be giving her neck over and over to a proven finisher in the smaller cage. Uh, give me Kareen Silva. She's probably going to do it by submission. You're only getting plus 185 at least at the house I'm looking at that I round Robin in. 
So I don't know if it's going to be my top vote. I'm keeping it there in case one of the things I want to play, I can't and or a line doesn't show up for it. We'll talk about that fight next. But uh, don't be surprised to see a Kareem Silva submission ticket in my round robin or on my play sheet, perhaps. Possible. Next fight, Jim Miller minus 275, taking on late notice replacement, uh, another Iridium sports guy, Jesse Butler plus 210. So you know how it is, folks. The machine will keep pumping him out. That being said, this Jesse Butler guy looks very dangerous, looks like a very fun action fighter. Just don't know what his ceiling is going to be. Um, doesn't look like a non-athlete, but I don't know how athletic he is. Jim Miller more athletic than giving credit for it. Me and Brad Chuck talked about, of course, that was back in 2008. Uh, not really relying on the athleticism anymore, though he does still fight like an athlete. One Jimmy Miller fighting in explosions. Of course, good to have this late breakdown because we would have... Uh, otherwise, all your breakdowns probably featured Jared Gordon not shitting on other people's content. I sympathize with them, in fact. It's... Not that it's hard playing any violence here, but it's 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 not it's harder than most people think. I will say, and so I sympathize with the content creators out there, but I do not sympathize with anybody that was betting Jared Gordon. Uh, some thoughts quick: that's just an irresponsible fight to book in the first place, and the fact that this wasn't a talking point sooner, the fact that it got booked is a joke. The fact that commissions, again, folks, commissions, health and safety. Shout out to my guy Aaron Bronstetter, by the way. Um, really liked his interviews with. Uh, Mark Goddard, who does an excellent job, excellent referee, and Clemens Warner, who did an excellent job and is an excellent judge. Um, you know, props to Mike Mazzulli for coming on and being open, and he had some good points about we should be more positive when uh, positive things happen. But again, if you can't see the uh, audio version, I'm doing the Dan Tom jerk-off GIF. Yeah, health and safety. Health and safety, my ass, commissions. Y'all don't give a shit about that. Booking Jared Gordon, approving a Jared Gordon on your end to fight within two months' notice. The fact that he was having a contract dangle on. That's what most of these fighters are fighting for, for contracts and money that they already deserve and are still not going to be enough, whatever the upgrade they get. And this is how they get it. Like, oh, well, you didn't get it. I know you, you, we gave you a tough bullshit matchup um, that I know maybe he could have still won and was. I looked like he had some good ideas going on. I know, I know, before the foul. But yeah, a tough bullshit matchup that was going to be uphill for him to win anyways. Then he gets knocked unconscious, and then we go... How cruel is that? Like, oh, you want to turn around? Like, you know, his, his manager was just saying, he's like, yeah, my manager was saying, you need to take a break. He's like, and then my manager called me up and goes, hey, we got a fight for you. Like, I don't know who his manager is, but again, that's very, you know, it's the typical telling on yourself, you know, just like uh, without t telling on the organization, without telling on the system, without realizing you are, right? Like with that Justin Gaethje interview, saying the, uh, saying the, you know, oh, they, they only, you know, they only pay you $25,000 extra for main events, folks, even the Justin Gaethje's of the world. What the fuck? 13% revenue share. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, and then, and, and, and you know, they booked this shit. And, you know, another last-minute booking for Jim Miller, a guy you should be giving veteran booking assignments. You should be, you know, especially since you're paying him and, and he's, you know, just a, a, a through-and-through company, man. You built off this, you literally built off this man's fucking back through multiple eras, including your golden era including your Fox era. And now through the majority of your ESPN eras, we're almost like, you three 300, we can't book this guy a fight. He's having to constantly fight the fucking Ghost Pepper Gonzaleses of the world. I know he fought Alexander Hernandez last time out, but that was on 10 days notice. Like, we can't get this guy, we're just, we're just throwing him fucking randoms or people who won't show up to the dance, people that have been knocked unconscious, separated from their consciousness within two months time period. That's who we're booking Jim Miller against on the other side of this. And now he, you know, thankfully you're, you're keeping him on the main card or God forbid you open him 
He opened, let him open the main card like like he, he, his division, his ilk, his era, his weight class was built to do. No. Nothing. Oh, we get him on the main card. Oh, we get him this fucking Jesse Butler kid who could fucking come out here and, and randomly finish him, which would suck because I actually, you know, usually uh, another Dan Tom jerk off to CLV boy. Dan, stop pissing off the audience you're supposed to be playing to. I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm just being real. Uh, I didn't give a shit about the CLV crew, but for what it's worth, and I'm doing the jerk off just because I'm keeping that same energy even when it's my guy, even when I'm on the right side. Yes, I took an early opener of Jim Miller, minus 200 when it opened over at Bet Online, two units for one. And we'll probably, if we can get it, maybe put Jimmy Miller by sub, even though he, maybe he can get a knockout here. Um, this guy is tall, but he might have more fluid in the old brain. Maybe he's a natural lightweight. It's the, it's the weight class Jesse Butler started in. But he does fight at featherweight. He looks emaciated. Like his eyes, they, they call him like crazy. They, they also comment on his crazy eyes. It just looks like he's just completely sucked out. So the weight class actually could be a benefit for him. I'm not going to put that over into the weighted scale that I'm going off of here. I'll take that off the scale and put it on his side. But the short notice aspect worries me. You know, are we just a part of the management machine that's just, you know, instead of looking out for the fighters, that's just you know, placating to this, uh, the, to the corporate machine, you know, of, of the ultimate filling content era, you know, how much are they really looking out for their guys? How, how ready was their guy here? You know, um, something I don't mention, believe it or not much with these Jim Miller fights, but it's worth mentioning, especially because he keeps getting these matchups is he has the, um, you know, the, the, the ask for autographs of appeal. Everybody respects Jim Miller. And you also got to wonder, you know, Another another grizzled white dude with a beard here coming up, you know, uh, you know certain parts of the United States. I'm sure he's a Jim Miller fan. Is what I'm trying to say. Not not, not hating on it, you know. I'm a big Jim Miller fan myself, man. Um, you got to wonder how much of, how much of it is there is, is is of that respect is there too, right? And Jim Miller's all business, man. He's not he's not just showing up for a paycheck. He's still passionate. He's still chasing his perfect performance, you know, he's chasing that perfect fight, I wrote Jim Miller, it's funny, my, Jim Miller is my favorite, one of my favorite fighters of all time, still is, he's my favorite lightweight of all time, as I have to downgrade uh, BJ Penn, right, it's kind of hard to, uh, I, I will defend his lightweight legacy, as far as what he did, but the last decade, in or out of the octagon, I do not defend, obviously, hard to do not do that, uh, and I uh, have had to ban him from subsequent lists, and, uh, you know, uh, really throw some caveats on there, when I, when I mention him, when I mentioned the man, but BJ Penn, oddly enough, my other favorite lightweight, another lightweight great. One of the others to say that quote, you know, he's always just, and hopefully that's not a bad open for Jimmy Miller here, uh, but he was always chasing that perfect fight. And, you know, Jim Miller, I'm covered if it does go to decision. I could see that because this guy looks like he's got good submission defense in the sense of, I'm not trying to compare myself or whatever, but but the back of what the Alex Caceres thing. Uh, sharing and understanding certain sensibilities. I am a guy who will give my neck and give submissions in order to get positions, hence playing turtle, hence um, the Damian Maya single leg uh, sweep, where you you not just coming up on the single leg, but you're giving them your neck. You're hoping they're going to take the bait in your neck so you can come up on top. Um, this dude very much has that style, not so much the Damian Maya, and even so much the same process. He is much more wilder about it, which is why I like Jim Miller even more. But I've seen this guy against low-level dudes. Um, he only fought one southpaw who was this guy, Ray Trujillo. It wasn't the Bantamweight Ray Trujillo who made the UFC, mind you. This was a guy who was just like, looks like he should be fighting at Bantamweight, Ray Trujillo. And uh, has like one of those journeyman records of like 29 losses or something, okay? Um, he outclassed that southpaw 
as he should. And most of these guys are not only guys who like outclass both. You look at the record, but if you actually go and watch the tape, they outclass. It's an outclassing. And if you dig a little deeper and look at the tapology, you will see a lot of these fighters are on short notice, including the best fighter on. Um, Jesse Butler's record, which is Masio Fullen. And if you look, that fight was on short notice. So Masio Fullen was taking that fight on short notice. And it's one of his few knockouts, and it's a brutal knockout. It's a left hook. And again, if he's able to land a left hook, especially on a southpaw, who might not expect that coming on an older one, oh my God, I do not want to see it. Did I just talk that into existence? My God. But good news is, regardless of what you think of Masio Fullen, um, in Masio Fullen's defense, he actually suffers an eye poke. Not just an eye poke, a, a pretty decent one that the ref misses. And it's to his right eye, which is pretty crucial for a left hook. So go watch that. There's a big caveat to that win. Um, and that's his best win on paper. Um, other than that, the fighter's not named Masio Fullen, uh, who again, outsized, out-recorded, out-experienced fighting on short notice. Those fighters have almost submitted him multiple times, both from front head chokes and back takes. Because again, from what I've seen, and I went back to watch about five of Jesse Butler's fights, what I could find... Um, and uh, everything on Fight Pass. And uh, yeah, he gives these bad positions. You're going to give it to a guy like Jimmy Miller. Front choking Jimmy Miller. Back taking Jimmy Miller. Jimmy Miller never seen a submission he didn't like for better and worse, of course. But, you know, he's going to fucking go. You don't got to. This isn't a, a shot, an old guy who you got to worry about being shot. No, that's not the problem with Jim, right? Uh, if anything, it's, it's that he loves to go for it too much. Small cage, short notice. Give me Jim Miller, especially at that opener, minus 200. I feel bad. Part of me feels bad advertising a number, but I inputted it right when it came out yesterday, and I'm never that guy that beats the line one. And whether I beat the line or not, it's all about cashing the bet. And whether I cash the bet and I beat the line or not, I'm not a victory lap motherfucker. So who cares? Yeah. Yeah, I got it at minus 200. Cry about it. We'll see. Who knows? You can probably laugh about it if it loses because... uh. It doesn't matter the line, folks, or CLV. Let's, let's just try to get on the winning side of this volatile sport before we start trying to compare whose dick's more shiny here like everybody does on MMA gambling Twitter is the funny thing. All right. Uh, we got uh, Abubakar, Nurmagomedov, minus 115. Uh, Elise Dos Santos, minus 105. Um, I've never been a big believer in Ab Abubakar. It's funny. He fights probably majority from Southpaw, like 70-30, but he lists himself as an orthodox. He doesn't list himself switch. He lists himself as an orthodox fighter. Been fighting more Southpaw lately, though. Um, that being said, uh, Southpaw doesn't really seem to stand to really affect it. Um, Capoeira, he's so dynamic and so diverse. Um, and uh, we saw that with Benoit Saint-Denis, a Southpaw who pressured and grappled uh, consistently, right? We're still figuring out a ceiling, but better than we expected. A, and consistent and aggressive and physical at the very least. Uh, I don't know how, you know, Abubakar, not very athletic, is more of a technique guy. He's not very athletic, not very physical, um, not a big KO power guy. Uh, so he's really going to have to wrestle Dos Santos here. And I think he's either going to run into a knee or he's going to be successful wrestling, but Dos Santos, a black belt in his own right, though he doesn't list it, and looking at his counter-wrestling and scrambling ability, I think good enough. Um... Even if he goes back to older bad habits, if you want to go all the way back to like his 2015 fights, we haven't seen him do it that much. But he would create leg locks and stuff. You would go for those, but at least he would use those to scramble. And we've seen lower level fighters like Omar Omargadjiev, who is a you know a, is like a Shamsatov Russian. So don't get confused. Oh, he's a Dagestani wrestler. Like, eh. uh, we saw um, you know Omargadjiev, um, even able to use that right. And then after 
being sloppy and, and still able to create scrambles, Omar Gajiev, gassed as all hell, was able to hit him, rock him in multiple rounds. Round two, I think, with a head kick and then like a hard left hand in round three, got him to shoot like some ugly shots, which aren't the most athletic shots. It's more of a chain wrestling thing. Abubakar does, kind of like a lot of the Nurmagomedovs, except he doesn't have the athleticism of Khabib and he doesn't have the skill and strength of a Makhachev and technical acumen of a Makhachev. He is pretty technical and, and, and savvy in his own ways. He's a combat Samba world champion, although they put world-class combat Samba master of sports, so I don't even think he's a world champion. I think they really just tried to dress it up, plus the Nurmagomedov name. He automatically gets way more love on the betting line, and you have to account for some of that here. Opened as a pick em. you know, Zaleski got caught and popped and whatever. It's like, okay, you know, uh, again, are we going to make the same mistake of Pineda or are we going to look at the fact that these guys are born motherfucking fighters, win or lose? You know they are going to fucking fight for your dollar. They're experienced, they've been around, and they're dangerous from multiple aspects on the floor or on the feet. I don't know. I'm going to go with a more proven knowledge than, um, than getting lost in Speculation City over something like steroids that literally seep through every crevice of this fucking sport. I'm sorry to break it to you, Santa Claus believers. So, yeah, that's not really going to deter me from making a pick, nor does it usually. I look at the styles. I'm um, going to go with Lesky, Zaleski Dos Santos. Actually, by KO, it's going to be my prop squad right up. Um, since he is by that, I, I usually would just do KO, and I think he's going to get it in round three, right? Because I think he can get him early. I think that, or he's going to have to be dealing with grappling and be on the losing end. But, again, Dos Santos, he is good cardio, whether he's – beating the crap out of the guy. He's not going to do what Abubakar Nagamaya did and gas himself um, on a low-level dude with you know in, in bullshit exchanges. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, be, beating up a low-level dude and then get rocked by that same low-level dude. Um, you know, he would have fallen to those pit traps in the Benoit Saint-Denis that should have cashed for all of us, right? Um, and, uh, and, and, and so and I don't think he's going to submit him, so I, I actually see him getting tired. Um Shout out to my guy Aaron Bronstetter who gave my, my, my top five a shout. I don't think, I think he might have t threw a dart on round two, but I, round three is jumping out at me. Perhaps it's round two could be the thing. I wouldn't be surprised. I'll be covered either way because I'm on the money line and by KO. Um, but uh, yeah, I also took him by round three. Um, I'm probably going to do the KO for the, uh, I have easy written on, right underneath Pineda for two of the four slots for the round robin because i uh, probably going to use him for the KO. That's listing there, not at the biggest price. It's only like plus 385 there. But I did play it at a different house at plus 400 for a quarter unit, just a quarter unit small because I do got to put my money where my mouth is even more than just around Robin. A lot of people out there in the media or not or just in betting Twitter, they'll put out plays and they don't play them. Not me. I do it every time, folks. I put my money where my mouth is, even if it's just lean. Um, so I put just half a unit total, quarter unit on easy by KO plus 400, quarter unit on round three at plus 1100. But... I was going to leave it there, and now this kind of risks either losing 1.5 units or only profiting a half a unit if, like, Dos Santos wins by submission or by decision, which he could still win by decision according to criteria being the more damaging guy. That's another reason. Um, Abubakar and Magomedov, not a very criteria-friendly fighter, despite the efforts in his stand-up. Um, but I was able to even get a plus number pop-up, plus 103, so I couldn't help but hit that because, again, easy could easy could sub him if uh you know uh what do you call it? the german dude subbed him and easy could also win a decision here so you kick for coverage at a plus money money line and a guy who probably shouldn't be plus money guy should probably be slightly favored uh criminally underrated finally on the main card i know he's graying with the shaved hair 
But let's go easy Dos Santos. 36 ain't shit, buddy. I know you got this. Uh, let's see. Um, but that, that's what I got there. All right. Uh, the rest, that goes for the main card. Let's, uh, let's cut through the rest of this, shall we? 121. All right. Um, John Castaneda, minus 165. Um, He's not fighting Mendoka anymore. He's fighting Muin Gafarov, plus 115. This is the last fight that I might look into just because he's the last person on the Southpaw report. Gafarov is a Southpaw. Castaneda has not faced any UFC-level Southpaws, but I still want to go through his record because he's faced guys like my guy... Um, what's his name? Fuck, now I'm forgetting his name. Oh, my God, how am I forgetting his name? Uh, Bantamweight. Uh, fought Marab. Did actually did decent. Uh, Gustavo Lopez. My guy, this Gustavo, who's got like a mean... Check right hook from Southpaw, which he will shift to. So I want to see if there's anything there. But it'll probably be a short entry. And I'll probably still be picking Castaneda because uh, Gafaroff, I got to see how he looked on the scales, but took this fight on, on short notice. And Sexy Mexi, you know, he was doing much better. Uh, and that fight against Willie Cat, much more forgivable than um, I feel like... Uh, may come off to most people. Uh, Andre Arlovsky, plus 115. Don, uh, plus 115. Dante Mays, minus 140. Of course, you guys know I'm going with double A, but he fits in that category where I'm playing much more than I real I wanted to. And again, it's heavyweight and it's aging. Orlovsky, I'm already two units on one vet Miller, right? Which I love that picture to them because, by the way, the two of my legit favorite guys, Andre Orlovsky was one of my first favorite fighters, folks. Like, uh, I was a tough noob, uh, so I, I actually like liked Florian before I liked Penn, which sounds crazy. Again, this is almost 20 years ago, folks. This is like 2005, all right? Um, give me a break here. Um, and or, since 2005, like, oh, dude, I was uh, Orlovsky, like, watching him and, like, the, the Raquel Lee countdown. I would just, oh, I, I was like, oh, like, what is this guy eat? What is this guy doing? Oh, he trains in Chicago. Like, I was a big Orlovsky fan. So I may throw Orlovsky in the round robin. Uh, back to that theory of you pick a dog, but you don't have enough balls or enough in your budget to really play him. Maybe we'll just throw him in the round robin, limit the exposure. You still feel like you got some something riding and hopefully you can still cash if he wins, right? Ideally. So, yeah, give me double A there. Uh, Daniel Santos minus 225. Johnny Munoz plus 180. That number makes it uh, interesting for Johnny Munoz, but his game, I feel like, you know, it's very fundamentally sound with his jabs and, you know, trying to keep in position. And, you know, uh, he's got good jiu-jitsu in his back pocket. But... It's tough dude, right? But uh, I don't know, man. I like Willie Santos. I think he's dynamic. I think the small cage is going to encourage the kind of fight that Johnny Munoz doesn't want, especially with a, an aggressive guy like Willie Cat. So I don't think I have anything on it. Maybe I, you know, uh, maybe if I looked into it more, I would have maybe looked to parlay him with Jim. But again, minus 200 is that point of no return where it's a perfect parlay piece. But if you're looking to, with a bigger bankroll and you really like this method, I mean, how many more times are you going to get to play Jim Miller? I mean, shout out to my man Mike Bone. I'm, 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 I'm an experienced guy, right? And this is the biggest experience gap in UFC history. Last time that happened was another Jim Miller fight where I also cashed. Are you telling me that a guy who plays experience, a guy who, I'm not going to do that for the biggest experience gap when it favors my favorite, one of my favorite fighters of all time? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, minus 200 right through Jimmy. Um, Jamie Malarkey should have been on the main card, but, you know, God forbid we have a lightweight to open up a main card two times in a row, you know? Matchmakers. I'm happy at least it's easy to Santos who they criminally put on the undercard, so I'm, I'm trying to pick my battles here. But, yeah, uh... Ted Danson's bastard son, Jamie Malarkey, minus 500. Uh, Mohamedjan Naimov, apologies if I mispronounce that name, plus 360. I haven't looked into this fight. I was glad I didn't because I almost went to the, do the Southpaw report 
two nights ago for Gordon against Miller, and then I woke up to that news, so I was like, well, I guess I'm glad I didn't do that. And then I almost stayed up last night to look at Nymoff, and then I went to sleep instead, and I'm glad I did because that uh, got moved to the prelim card last minute. Shout out to my guy Ken Hathaway on the ground. Follow him for up-to-date bout orders. MMA Junkie Zone. At least read minus 135, Jin Frey, plus 110. Did not look into this fight, but I am going to pick the favorite, Elise Reed. Damone Blackshear, plus 125. Luan Lacerda, minus 155. I'm going to go with Lacerda, um, but I feel like this should be more of a pick I feel like Blackshear is live in the small cage. Um, if you want to take like a sub-flyer, uh, maybe. Uh, I think someone in our prop squad did, but I, I stayed away. I'll, I'll probably just pick Lacerda. No big take there, folks. Maxim Grishman, minus 135. Felipe Lins, plus 110. Uh, I'll pick Maxim Grishin, but nah, I'm not interested in looking. I have no interest in any of these fights. All right, before I recap the chat, let's see how I did time there. Yeah, 126. All right, yeah, went almost an hour. But I, I, I got more analysis in for you guys, so it makes sense that it was a little longer. And we're still doing pretty good on time, according to Dan Tom time, right? So, guys, please like the video. I'm going to go through and answer some questions right now, uh, if I can. Uh, we got... Um, Rio says in Truesdale, is the betting community a toxic environment? I'm an MMA hobbyist. I like analysis pods like yourself, Jack Slack, and Lawrence Kenshin. You're a man of taste, Rio. He adds, but you are really the only analyst I follow that talks bets. Yeah, I try to do everything, and um, I pay the price for it, both with my time and with the uh, love, uh, air quotes, I get from the betting community. It is toxic. I know I'm obviously talking... Um, talking out of my you know this recency bias right we're keeping that same energy but I, most people will tell you there's social media is toxic all across the board some places are worse like the YouTube comments that you guys are really great thank you um, but they'll say you know Twitter's bad for example but MMA Twitter is like a, a higher tier of hell it's even worse right and even within MMA Twitter their tiers of hell I think people that aren't even in the betting community like will agree with me without the bias that I do. Like, oh yeah, MMA betting community is like the highest. You got, you know, uh, just you know, people that really don't care about that. You know, whoa, you a lot of that crowd and shit. Just some of the some, some of the some of the worst, ugliest people. And you're and you're dealing with money too, so people get really sick. And even though, you know, so there's the hatred thing, and then there's the you know. Even though I'm somebody who's one of the most responsible, even behind the scenes, I don't even take certain jobs. I have serious talks with any gambling house that's ever hired me. I always make sure that I'm not marketed as must bet, this is a win, take this to the bank. Uh, I actually fine tooth comb the wording from my articles to how they're presented to make sure I don't give off that um, specifically. And that actually hurts me, by the way, with the things that I'm offered, pay, um, and so forth. So. Yeah, uh, it's just what it is. Sorry, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, Makato Kayagoku, were you impressed with Dern's striking? Um, she, she didn't throw herself off balance, you know. It was improved, and we'll talk about that in a second. I want to finish re reading Makato Kayagoku's question. They add, I thought it was just looping hooks with her chin up in the air, like she was just throwing combos at random. But that's just my opinion, influenced by Jack Slack. Yeah. I was about to say the same thing. I didn't see much of a difference aside from the th like any improvements of stuff that I've already given credit prior to that matchup and in writings before. For for those who've written my my analysis on her, um, the only thing I saw that was improved was that she stayed on balance more. 
And I don't know if I mentioned this in the breakdown, probably because I was so like taken by the, uh, you know, it's the last thing I recorded by the time I get to you guys here, even on Thursdays. And also taken by the the narrative, right? Like uh, that I was just wanted to change my pick, and thankfully I guess didn't and stuck to my guns. But one of the things that led me to that pick in the first place was one of Angela Hill's last fights it was against Loopy or somebody or Dakota. I forget. Maybe in both those fights, her last two fights. And again, I know Dakota's gotten some striking knockouts, and Loopy is athletic and has gotten some accumulation stuff on her record. But again, this aren't like knockout puncher divisions or anything. And Angela Hill's toughness. I mean, remember her, like, taking shots from Andrade and being competitive, right? Like, peak Andrade, right? And if you look at those fights, she got hit and kind of frozen. And I didn't like that. Like, if, if, if Angie, I said, was ironic, was the older fighter. And you can't write her off of her age because she's been, in, A, she's been improving. B, she's been improving more than Dern, an athletic freak who's younger and should be improving. Um... But where her age did show, and I don't know if I emphasize this enough, and that's where it showed itself, and that's why perhaps people like me and Jack Slack, according to, your, to you, are not as impressed, not trying to take anything away from Dern. But yeah, like we've, we've been seeing non-strikers and non-punchers without as much power um, than Dern. We already know Dern had punching power, right? Say what you will about her technique. But we've seen girls without that physicality and power um, freezing Hill up recently, and that's a really bad look. It's part of the reason why. I picked Duran last week. Grumbopolis Rosen says, analysis matching with the bet. Can you explain that term, please? Does that also happen if the bet doesn't hit? N no, the analysis can, and, and the bet can still miss, which is like my life. That's the space I usually live in, which is why I'm saying it's nice when the analysis matches the bet. And same goes for the pick, you know. Um, analysts I respect, like uh, Connor and Zane and, and the like. Uh, heavy hands guys, Phil McKenzie, will say the same thing, you know. Um, they're just saying their picks haven't been the greatest this year and of course you know you're doing bad when even like your friends and well-meaning and I love those guys and it was absolutely well-meaning but you know it's bad when like those guys are mentioning your name like oh Dan Tom's getting it over there he's sat I think they, they use the term that I saddled myself in the betting industry which sucks because like when people hate me they're like shut up journal and I'm like I'm not a journalist but I'm more honest and upfront than actual journalists are for what it's worth but okay and then I do bad in the betting, so all the betting haters go, you're a fucking terrible capper. You're like, I would never be caught dead calling myself a capper. Never have, never will. I'm an analyst first. But, but yes, okay, I've done bad bet. And then, and, then, and then the people that even like are on my side are like, oh, Dan saddled himself in the betting. And I'm like, I'm an analyst. Like, no, of course they recognize me as an analyst. But I just joke. I'm like, I, I can't even get the proper uh, stereotyping from anybody. Um, but even they themselves, and I'm not trying to bring light on it like uh, and mention names like I said before, I'm only saying it because they mentioned my name uh, in doing the diffusing thing saying, because they were like, hey, we're not the only analysts doing bad. Look at Dan Tom over there, <laughs> you know? Which I, I, that comes from a good place. I don't take offense at all. Um, but like, but yeah, like yeah, just to, to, to that point, even analysts I respect will say the same thing who don't bet. Uh, the analysis doesn't even match the pick, much less the bet. Picking fights, betting on fights, and analyzing fights are three different things. I can analyze the dynamic of the matchup, but that doesn't mean I can tell you who's going to win. There are two outcomes over there. I have to pick one. Sometimes my analysis, I can I can find the dynamic of the fight, but it doesn't make the pick very easy, so I have to make a pick, right? But the pick is like, you know, a minus 500, 400 favorite. I'm not going to bet that, and this fight is actually really volatile and closer than what the betting line shows, hence the analysis. So even though I'm picking the favorite for my pick, my analysis says it's a volatile fight. My analysis, hence it being a volatile fight, could lead me if I gun to my head is to bet. Well, it's dog or pass, and although I don't do that, and it's okay to do that so long as you are up front, 
yeah, a lot of bettors, it's not uncommon to pick somebody but actually bet the, the air quote value side, the dog side. So that was a lot that I just threw down your way, but that is a quick example to show how betting, picking, and analyzing are three different things. So, um, James Kendrick, don't worry about the trolls, Dan. We know you make good analysis and you're a good person who stands up and speaks for the right things. Thank you. That respect means the most. Uh, and I think I can speak for everyone that we appreciate that. Appreciate that. Uh, Edgelord, do process-based fighters, uh, do process-based game plan type fighters uh, have a higher chance of beating power-punching opportunists with low volume? Um, of course, I like to think so, but it, it's always down to the matchup, right? That f fits more into analysis, and when I look at my bias, I definitely am more for process-based fighters, but that depends, right? Like... Um, the content of the matchup, maybe the cage side, right? Maybe the process-based fighter is a pressure grappler and, you know, the opportunist with low volume is a counter-punching KO artist. Well, depending on the matchup, sometimes I'll still pick the opportunist, right? Because I'm just like, I, I just think they're going to get it. Um, which is uh, Dos Santos, right? You could say, right? Um, and it's in the small cage, so don't even go off that. But I was going to say, but maybe if the process guy is more of a grappler and it's a small cage, maybe that makes me lean more toward the process guy based guy, right? Whereas, w w you know, um, I don't know if this is in Sun Tzu, The Art of War, or any of that shit, but quoting more military style stuff, it's where's the battle taking place, right? If we're going mi military analytics forensics here, where's the battle taking place? That's going to be a big teller of what's going to happen sometimes. Uh, Makatsuke Goku, here's another question about Dern. Many media people say if she mastered one takedown, she'd be unstoppable. They s seem like lazy analysis since MMA is more than just one range thing, right? Yes and no. I agree. I think Damian Maia laid the, bl 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 the blueprint. You know, if you really want to strengthen your jujitsu sword, um, I feel like you should be melding it and folding it with grappling based steel, right? Right, right. If that was, you know. I don't know if I'm, I'm just making up some Middle Earth thing. Like, you use the striking base, steel, this will break, son. You have to pick the right battle. Uh, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I don't follow Lord of the Rings. But if you were folding a sword, I would want the right materials into it. I would want things that are of the same material of it, right? Come from the same place, grappling. And when Damian Maia went to New Jersey, 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 to work on his wrestling, we saw the difference it made in his game. Damian Maia was, if you you know watch him early on, when I saw him coming up on the grappling scene, you'd watch him you know hitting triangle arm bars from his guard on heavyweights and like open gi, open mat, open weight gi matches and shit like that. Um, and then he fell into the trappings where he's working with Vanderlei Silva to really get his striking up back in like 2008, 2009. He steps on the UFC scene, right? It wasn't until 2012 when he drops down a welterweight. You know, he's like, okay, how do I, uh, let's fight more concise here. Let's just make ourselves into a sword. Let's get our size. Let's get our wrestling. Let's make ourselves into a weapon. What are our best chances? Let's work on our wrestling and let's go to a division where we're bigger than everybody. Pretty simple, right? Um, Dern's got the physicality. She's got the jujitsu. What's missing? The wrestling so I, I don't blame that analysis could it be lazy you know depending from the source i guess if we want to split hairs but I, i'm not going to come at anybody who says that rain lamina wait so albazi attacking the body is actually an ironically accurate pun i was just trying to be funny <laughs> yeah yeah it, 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 it depends uh real so in truesdale what is your cure to stop fighters uh dipping into the power side um we see it all the time is it, is, it, is it a habit it's impossible to fix? It depends, man. It depends. Um, it's not like you can fight a little bit more upright with your stance, right? Um, you could incorporate... We'll see some fighters almost incorporate, you know, like uh, 
whether it's Alvarez darting, he's incorporating, making sure he's incorporating enough darts to get to that other side, so he's not always, so he's not always circling to the weak side because you get caught circling to the weak side. What, right? A lot of times you're you're circling to that side because it looks circle away from the power, right? Well, most most people's power side, they're orthodox, they are right, so you're gonna circle to your right, which is why it makes the habit and the impact of said strikes almost emphasize of dipping into those strikes. Now, if you are Eddie Alvarez or a Dominic Cruz style where you have a boxing style that has a lot of crouch uh, propensities to it, right? You're crouching, right? Boom, crouch and counter, right? Um, and whether you're not a boxing savant or a countering savant, sometimes you have that boxing crouch style. If you are a wrestle boxer because you are constantly changing your level to shoot. Um, and again, changing your level, dipping, circling. These are all things putting you into those type of strikes. So I'm going to look and play the basic forensic math of the fighter they're facing. How much of those directional strikes? How much emphasis? How are the, how sharp are they? Do they counter it? Do they throw it uh, coming forward more? And I'm going to kind of run that through the arbitrational math in my head and, and, and see what I come out with. Um, how to fix it? But yeah, you want to incorporate more darts, you know, like Eddie Alvarez would do. Maybe more of an upright stance like a Max Holloway, right? Uh, Volkanovski or other fighters, maybe they'll incorporate more uh, leads, more leads, even faint prods. Not even just jab faint prodding, but they'll almost faint prod with their lead hand. And that sets up a hard finish with their left. And it sets up a step to the opposite side, right? You incorporate those things. So you're not just jabbing left. You're also kind of jabbing right, moving left. Moving left, moving right, dipping, changing, always changing, never giving a, a beat. I mean, it's diversity is what it comes down to. Uh, Ghost Phantom, what do you think of athletic back takers who are not good after finishing taking the back, like everyone's favorite fighter, Wei Lee? Um, it's tough, but also there there is some forgiveness there because people are also getting better defensively, right? Um, shout out to my guy, uh, Ryan Wag A, who... He's been doing some trolling as Dreykus fan lately with the Miami Heat uh, avatar, so be careful there. I love my guy Ryan, of course. He actually, I believe, he is putting together something. Uh, go follow him at Ryan Wag uh, Sistema or Ryan Wag A Sistema, and I'll I'll share it certainly when it comes out. But he's doing a study on all the best back takers in MMA, which I imagine should answer any questions you or I have on the subject. Analysts I greatly respect. All right, last couple questions. Ray Lamina, only you, Jack Slack, and Santino DeFranco are the only MMA podcasts that reference Eduardo Tellis. Oh, my God. I love Jack Slack and Santino DeFranco more. Are you kidding me? They actually reference that guy? But those are the only things I watch. God damn it. It was awesome. I had this um, really tall, athletic dude who looked like he was a fighter, but I'm thinking he was a wrestler, but I was just really nervous about being on the ground. And uh, he was doing the thing where I was like having a butt scoot and almost like come wrestle him, but it was like open mat. I'm like, dude, we're not in wrestling class right now. I'm old, I'm tired, I'm hungover, I'm not gonna grapple you. So I just start Eduardo Tellizing and like turtling him and like almost giving, showing him my ass like I wanted him to, you know, like I was advertising or something, you know? Like it was that, like that's how much I was begging this guy to come at me. And it was like a Gabe Gonzaga, Eduardo Tellez, like he was like afraid to uh, interrupt, but he ha he clearly had some jujitsu because he had a, good darsh choke because he had long arms which made sense so he would wait until he saw some separation between my tricep and lat area and he would shoot is he would dive in and he had a really good he had a really good dive and snatch it was really quick but that doesn't matter i'll let you get that baby because i just hook behind the elbow which immediately creates a hard space between my neck and my shoulder allowing me space to breathe encouraging the belly down which is your last minute darsh escape and I sit through and it turns into a double leg. And I, I did it to him like two times after him dancing around me for literally like almost half the round each time. It was hilarious. 
I love kids. Uh, he wasn't a kid. He was like in his 20s, but I'm, I'm an old man. All right. Um, last one, James Kendrick. Thoughts on McMaynard calling out Bloody Elbow for complaining about the card they didn't even though they had it road to UFC last week. Yeah, I kind of gave my thoughts on that in the beginning. Um, but I will add to it. Um, happy Pride Month, everybody. But how ironic, even UFC who doesn't do woke shit. Um, and does not have an audience that is very, is, is kind it's, uh, you know, uh, to gay people, trans, or the like. A very homophobic audience, which is hilarious, because like, me and my brad said, of course it's the most racist sport, but it's also like, the most gayest sport, which is hilarious. So, um, But, uh, yeah, I didn't even, like... I, I've been the least outspoken I've ever been on an Asian heritage month last month, and I got the most... A, I got the most hate I ever got online, in my history of being online, um, B, uh, how funny was it that like, you know, the YouTube page is like all power slap right now. And like the, the feature video was like, it was a picture of like some dude going out there, to, some like black dude or something. And he like had a quote or something. I don't, I don't want to take him out of context. I don't know the, the fighter or the slapper, but it, the, the, the quote was really weird. It was like, let's talk about pregnant Asian women, which was really weird. Um, you have PFL, uh, using that graphic, right? Uh, to show like competition between everybody right and then for one it goes 80% Asian like what the fuck does that have to do with anything shout out to my guy JHK John Young Ko like oh oh so that means it doesn't it doesn't count for as much because it's Asian like well what, what, what the fuck does that mean and then we got you know UFC actually does something I know it's Asian Pacific Islander Asian American Pacific Islander technically Right for the North American based monthly things, and not that these matter, not that they're going to solve, not that the, the fact that they do Pride Month solves anything. The the the, the, the fan base is still homophobic. No, they're not, it's not going to solve anything. And the way they do stuff like Black History Month, it's a joke uh, that I'm actually glad they don't do Asian Month. Hence why I was quiet on it. But back to prove my point again, they actually have something Asian going on. Um, granted, you know it's over. What, is it over in Singapore? Is it in Korea? I forget. Uh, but like, still, you've got the Asian Pacific Islanders being represented. You even have some Asian Americans being represented on there. Nothing. You can't even have, you know, Michelle Watt doing the typical, uh, let's at least sexually, how we do represent Asian representation. We usually pick an attractive female who's very white adjacent and, and then we sexualize the hell out of her or make her look, you know, uh, white adjacent. We could have Mom Champ on there. But uh, no, not, not not even that low low hanging fruit. They don't even advertise their own Road to UFC Asian series that they've had going on. It was a week off. They could have. And instead, what do they do? No, yeah, let's take a shot. Yeah, they did take a shot at Bloody uh, bloody Elbow for making criticism that I do at Junkie that we've all been doing. But yeah, yeah, let's let's take the low-hanging fruit and make a <laughs> lazy media joke. Yes, yes, rather than... It, you, that, that's so ironic. You're making a joke about negative coverage and you can't even give positive coverage, much less an acknowledgement that your joke totally disregards that you even have a card. Because God forbid we even pr pr promote our Asian cards on Asian Month. Again, the the the, the fucking strays out there. It's it's why I sympathize with 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 people of color. It's why I sympathize with my gay and trans brothers and sisters. Uh, because just having just this bullshit is just uh, dealing with this bullshit is enough to sympathize and it's all the same you know which is why we all should show solidarity and come together as one that being said it is an undeniable different flavor when we talk about uh asian racism asian representation there is no denying it's a different game man not saying it for a reason and i'm only getting proved 
it year after year. But okay, Dan's being woke again, whatever. All right, we're going to recap picks and plays here, 145, and we'll get out of here. All right. Thank you guys for joining me again. Uh, Analyst.com supports this year's show. You go to the click-throughs there for Amazon or on it, and you can support this by no extra purchase. You just click the links, purchase, kicks back small percentage to this year podcast if you want to donate to this year free program that uh, I go under year after year, almost on 10 years now running. Um, you can donate uh, to uh, secure PayPal links at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. Just got to scroll down, toggle to the right, especially if you're on the mobile. Or as you see here at Dan Tom MMA, the address on the screen with the awkward thumbs up, creepy thumbs up there, uh, at Dan Tom MMA. That is the PayPal address. That's where you can find me on Twitter, where I'm most active as of now, at least. Um, and uh, there is a link tree there with all the links to the website, to the secure PayPal link, all that. You can, of course, like the video, which I appreciate. Subscribe, like. That's free. Uh, Five-star ratings and reviews. Appreciate that right now, especially with all the negative thumbs down and the down ratings that, you know, losers uh, do. Um, and even me, if someone even offer like, well, we can do it back. I publicly told people don't do that back on multiple mediums because it's like, I was like, Pulp Fiction, what kind of a fucking coward keys a car? Just like, it's because these people are too cowardly to show their face and they'd rather downvote and talk shit. Um, doesn't mean we have to stoop to that level, folks. Instead, use that energy positively. It doesn't have to be for me. Like, in fact, just go go positively rate all your podcasts right now. Five star, leave a review, take the time. You will feel so much better. It is absolutely free to do. Of course, if you want to give more, there are super chat and super uh, like, super donations you can do to donate that are secure through this YouTube channel that is monetized and it does help greatly because this is all all free. Thank you, Edgelord. Great show. Appreciate that. James Kendrick, really appreciate your answer, Dan. More people need to be called out for their BS. Thank you, sir. Well, you know me. For better or worse, mainly worse, I will be honest, which is the ironic part of people, A, coming at me and coming at me for being dishonest, which is hilarious. Okay. Um, you don't gotta like me, but I'm gonna give you guys what I got. I'm gonna do my work on it, and I'm gonna give it to you for free, unlike these other motherfuckers. Here we go, baby. UFC Vegas 74 recapping the picks and plays. Taking Albazi over Cara France, reluctantly so. Taking Pineda over Caceres, volatility, which we'll go into the play. We'll get to in a second. Taking Elliot over Altamirano. Taking Silva over Souza. Taking. Jimmy Jimmy Miller, Jimmy fucking Miller, Jersey, Jersey, over Jesse Butler. Taking Easy Dos Santos, Elisa Zaleski Dos Santos over Abubakar, Nurmagomedov. Uh, taking Andre Arlovsky over Dante, Willie Mays, Hayes, Mays. Taking Willie Cat, Daniel Santos over Johnny Munoz. Taking Ted Danson's bastard son, Jamie Malarkey. Over Magomed Dijon Mustard Naimov. Taking Elise Reed over Jinyu Fry. Taking Lucerda over Blackshear, more than likely. Uh, more than likely, also taking Grisham over Leans. Of course, check me on Fight Day at Dan Tom MMA for my picks and plays to make sure what sticks and what's added. But as far as the plays go, uh, I am on Jim Miller, Moneyline minus 200, two units. I am on Easy Dos Santos, plus 103, one unit. I'm on uh, Albazi France fight doesn't go the distance minus 145 1.5 units uh, Easy Dos Santos by KO plus 400 quarter unit put my money where my mouth is for that will be my uh, prop for the prop squad this week uh, 
Also sprinkling small quarter unit on Easy Dos Santos in round three, plus 1,100 quarter unit. Uh, totals, baby. Taking Caceres Pineda under 1.5 at plus 150 for a unit. And taking Elliott Altamirano under 2.5, plus 210 one unit stab. For the round robin, it'll probably be Pineda sub and Easy KO on there. Um, we'll see if we can get, I'm going to look to probably try to get uh, Arlovsky, maybe Moneyline, which is not that sexy, I know. And uh, either Jim Miller by sub or Kareem Silva by sub. Um, maybe I add Kareem Silva by sub if I don't play it, we'll see. Uh, but that will probably round out the, the round robin that you will probably see on fight day. At Dan Tom MMA, as usual, I post my finalized picks and plays. Got to get my Tout Master stuff in, mind you. But yeah, that's where you can find it. I post my main card picks, quick picks, and prognostications column over at Junkie War. I religiously uh, call for Popot to come back. Not really. Joe Silva. Uh, and uh, take shots at the matchmakers, which they apparently don't read. But you can. Uh, and you can share that. You can share this. You can like this. All the five-star ratings and reviews. It's appreciated, please. Uh, thank you very much. Good luck on your picks and plays. And always protect... And